Inquirers, welcome back to the action-packed inquiries of our reality. Today's guest is a wealth of amazing stories and encounters, from Sasquatch to UFOs and even the paranormal. This one runs long, so I'm not going to hold you guys up, but this was the first call-in for the show, so don't mind the phone quality audio, because trust me, the information is definitely worth it. But before we can get into all of that, I'm trying to do this as fast as I can today, just a quick Last second announcement, I will be vending at Bigfoots and Brews. So if you guys want any info for that, that will be down in the show description. I will drop a link so you guys can pick up your tickets and hopefully come and hang out. If you guys haven't already left a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify, I'd really appreciate it if you did. It's a good way to uh, help the show to keep growing and get seen by new people. And of course, if you guys leave a five-star review on iTunes, I will read it on the show and give you guys a big shout out. Give appreciation where appreciations do, as I always say. And uh, if you guys aren't already following the show on social media, if you want to get updates on anything new going on with the show, uh, future events, new episodes, or anything else that I deem is post-worthy, uh, definitely go and check it out on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram is the one that I'm the most active on, of course. So if you guys want to get a hold of me, that's probably the best way to do so because everything on the Facebook pretty much just gets pushed off of the Instagram. And if you guys want to pop into some chat rooms and have some awesome conversations with some like-minded individuals, you guys can always go and check out the Telegram or the Discord. Uh, the Telegram, not as active as the Discord, but the Discord's our pride and joy, the one that we're trying to build up. So any of you guys popping in, interacting, always appreciated. Don't feel like uh, you can't interact because we'd love for everybody to pop in there and uh, meet each other and start up conversations. It's uh, a lot of fun, and the only way it's going to keep growing is with your guys' help, of course. And uh, if you guys want to share the show, but uh, you... Uh, don't know if somebody's going to listen to a full episode if you send it to them. You guys can always go and check out the YouTube or the TikTok. Over there, I post uh, snippets of the show with uh, points of interest, and I usually post a thought-provoking question with it. So they're usually about eh, one to three minutes or so. So easy, quick ways to share. And I usually post the same thing on YouTube and TikTok. So at least go follow on one of the two if you want to have a quick way to share the show and uh, interact a little bit more. And if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, if you're an author, researcher, experiencer, contactee, whistleblower, uh, any open-minded individual, I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with you. Even if you uh, have some type of cryptid, UFO, alien encounter, and uh, you think it might only be a couple minutes long, uh, I want to maybe at some point try to combine an episode where maybe I have a bunch of your guys' short stories all combined into one bigger episode. So don't hesitate. Shoot me a message and uh, let me know. I'd love to coordinate something and figure it out because I'd love to be able to have all of your guys' voices on the show, of course. 
And uh, the best way to get a hold of me is through Instagram. That's the one I said I'm the most active on. Uh, you guys can also email me at inquiries of all reality podcast at outlook.com, or you guys can fill the submission form at the top of the link tree, and that will go directly to my email, of course. And I do respond to every single message I get. So make sure you guys check your spam and junk folders, make sure nothing gets missed, because more often than not, a lot of my messages go that way, because I do send out a lot of links due to the show, of course. And uh, if you guys can't get enough of my content, don't forget to go and check out Bizarre Encounters. Uh, that's my other show that I do with my two awesome co-hosts, Orin and Jenny. Couldn't ask for a better co-host. We have a lot of fun over there. We do some deep dives. We do some interviews, all pertaining to Bizarre Encounters and weird topics. And uh, we get off the rails a little bit. We make some jokes. It's a lot of fun. So this show is a little bit more serious most of the time. If you want to have a laugh while also tr- trying to learn some new stuff, Bizarre Encounters definitely the way to go. And if you want to keep tabs on everything that I do, don't forget to go and check out Open Minds Media. Uh, that is set up on Instagram and Facebook, of course. And uh, if you guys want to support the show, there's a couple different ways to do so. You guys can always go and join the ranks of the awesome Patreon members. Over there, you'll get early access to the show, ad-free episodes of the show, uh, lives of the show, live replays of the show, which is the raw video format of the show, uh, exclusive merch store discounts. And I'm always trying to expand and build up over there. So if you guys have any suggestions that you'd like to see, I'd be more than happy to coordinate it. And as far as that goes too, that's the Open Minds Media Patreon. So you don't just get inquiries of our reality. You also get Bizarre Encounters and anything that I'm going to be putting out in the future. And if you guys want to donate to the show directly, you guys can always do so through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, or Red Circle, which is the RSS host for the show. And if you guys donate anything, uh, it doesn't give you an option for some type of personalized message. Don't forget to shoot me a message. Let me know that you guys donated because I'd love to give you guys a shout out. And you guys can also support the show by going and buying some awesome merch from the Open Minds Media Merch Store. There you'll find stuff for inquiries and bizarre encounters, just like the Patreon. And I should be adding some new designs over there that won't just be podcast related. I do have the Squonk design from the Squonkapalooza that says the world's status cryptid. It's pretty cool. It's an original design made by Chris from Conspire Theory. It's an awesome design and uh, he did a really good job working on it for me. And uh, there should be a lot more of that going on over at the merch store. I'm going to keep building up all the cryptid stuff. And uh, there's also the two new designs that I did for Inquiries of Our Reality, which is the anime Squatch design. And there's also the Stay Bizarre, Bizarre Encounters design. Uh, building that up. So hopefully you guys will find something you like over there. And if you guys pick anything up from the merch store, if you guys don't mind sending me a picture of you guys wearing it, I'd love to repost it on the pages, show that there's love and support out there in the world for the show. And uh, while we're talking about love and support, don't forget to go check out Joe over there at Crypto Theology. Always killing it with all the awesome cryptid-related designs. And he just killed it recently at Squonkapalooza. That guy's going to keep expanding. He's going to keep making awesome designs. So at least go pick yourself up one of those designs. Because if you listen to this show, I guarantee you'll like at least one of those designs over there. And uh, just a little added bonus, because I forgot to say it in the beginning of the episode. I recently bought a new camera. So expect that coming from this way, there will be some new video content being uploaded. Uh, trying to coordinate exactly what I want to do, but I have a couple different documentary ideas that I want to work on. And uh, I know for the listeners that have been around for a while, you guys remember me mentioning Inquiries, Thoughts, and Theories, the other show that I want to start working on. Uh, now that I have the camera, I'm actually thinking that everything kind of came full circle. And I think I'm going to start doing that as a video format show. So that should be something to also look out for soon enough in the future. Finally, it's coming. I just got to work on a theme song coordinate a couple more things. And that should be a little extended extra piece of the show. It'll probably be somewhat short format, you know, less than 10 minutes, maybe 15 tops, but should be really, really cool as soon as I get all that up and rolling. And uh, everything that I mentioned, of course, is all available under the link tree, which is available down in the show description. And with that, let's get into the show.
please welcome to the show, researcher and experiencer, Ronald Roseman. How's it going today, man? Uh, pretty good. I got away from the kids, the madness at the house. I escaped. They don't miss me anyway, and that's all right. And uh, I went over to a friend's house and so I could relax in peace. I'm sitting here under a tree, a nice lawn with nobody around, so I'm all right. See, I can already tell this is going to be an awesome conversation. We've been talking for about an hour or so before we even actually started. And, you know, I originally, you know, got a hold of you because of your uh, Sasquatch encounters, but I didn't realize that it expanded into so much that you've had UFO encounters, paranormal encounters. And I know you haven't been on a lot of podcasts, but you've primarily talked about your Sasquatch stuff. So I feel like this might be the perfect time and platform to be able to get into all of the different stuff that you like to talk about. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I've been heavily involved in the, uh, I guess you could say heavily, but it's scattered. It's in the Bigfoot uh, phenomena, but uh, not like some of these really dedicated. And I, I really admire the guys that are out there that are true and uh, and don't embellish. And they're out there and they've spent uh, so much time and work and uh, researching the Bigfoot uh, stuff and uh, with me, it's been a hobby, more or less. I, I really cover all areas. I just go with the flow, whatever I feel like. And so I, so Bigfoot doesn't drive me crazy anyway. Of course, it's there with me every day, especially with experiences I've had, which were just luck. But, uh, so, uh, I, I, I've been, and I'm into music and different things, so I can deviate and, not have it drive me crazy, you know. Oh yeah, for I, sure. I I got the personality or oh, whatever. I if there's something that needs to be explained, uh, I I never I put it on a back burner. I always get back to it. Uh, I may put it off, but I'm going to get back to it. Bigfoot, you can't get away from it. Once you get into it, uh, it's like that point of no return. Uh, you just can't get a, get away from it. Certain people can't, uh, and I'm one of them. I uh, I've been looking for the answers for that since, like, you know, like I was telling you earlier. Uh, since I was nine, and uh, it's been a long time because I'm up in age, and uh, here I am. I'm still with it, and still researching an area that I got. And, uh, which is an established area. I know that now, uh, which is, un- to me, that's unusual. I, uh, over the decades, I've uh, seen tracks and uh, had experiences in Northern California. Uh, on the Alumni, I've spent a lot of time on the Lummi Reservation. Uh, uh, and other, the other reservation, uh, uh what is that reservation? It's only there once uh, in Washington. It's the second biggest reservation, Colville, I believe. But I uh, had a good time there and learned some stuff and, and uh, interviewed some people, some Native Americans. Uh, uh, no doubt in my mind, we could get into that if you wanted to. Uh, 
I'd love to, actually. I love coming at stuff from the Native American perspective. Uh, The listeners know, because I've mentioned a bunch of times on the show, but my grandma was 100% Cherokee, so I'm 25%. So I grew up with a lot of the uh, Native American stories of Sasquatch, Thunderbirds, all that kind of stuff. So it's one of my favorite things to talk about. And part of the reason why I got so into the Sasquatch conversation is because of just all the stories my grandma used to tell me as a a kid. Wow. Yeah, my my granddad, the... uh he came from Germany, and a uh, big guy, big German, and uh, he ended up in Carolina, and uh, he uh, ended up uh, with a tribe, Cherokee tribe, and uh, he married uh, uh, a Cherokee. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was something. I uh. I seen him one time. I was five years old, and uh, we had the family together, in Southern California, and uh, we're, <laughs> we're making the ladies were making biscuits and gravy and everything. And <clears throat> after breakfast, they went into the living room, and I was sitting at the table. And my granddad was there. He was ninety-three years old at the time. Gosh, it's been a long time back. I'm like, I hate to say how old I am, but early 70s. Uh, so he was 93 when I was five, and he had a cane. He walked uh, three to five miles a day with a cane, 93. And he, uh, I was sitting at the table and just watching him. And uh, he looked at the stove. The skillet was still there. And... Uh, the grease, you know, uh, a lot of grease uh, from the bacon and the skillet. And he walked over and he picked that skillet up and drank it. Drinked all the grease out of there. Ninety-three years old. I've never forgot that. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so I got a little turkey in there too. Uh, yeah. Anyway, where are we going? We're going to get sidetracked here and start talking about family. Hey, that uh, happens sometimes, man. But uh, yeah, if you want to bring it back, we can kind of go all around with it. Uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, Native American background as far as like Sasquatch lore goes with your research. Yeah. I uh, Oh, there's a fellow named Ron Schaefer and, uh, on the uh, Colville Reservation. He's an elder. And uh, there was a fellow here. Uh, passed away. She uh, said, "Oh, maybe it's been a year now already." But uh, by the name of uh, 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 Retina Alexander Jr., uh, he, he's the one that started the Bigfootology, and uh, been a lot. Of, he went on a lot of shows. Been on, on Gary Norrie, different things. But he wanted me to go with him up there, so we went up and. Uh, we stayed at the, I met uh, Ron Schaefer, the elder there, one of the elders, and his wife and his son, who's up in age. And they, uh, very hospitable. We stayed all night there and, and stuff. And he was uh, casting a track when we were up there, which was pretty impressive. But uh, uh, just an honest family. Uh, you could tell that they had... They had no reason to make up things or do anything, but I, uh, 
had a lot of good talks. They, uh, Ron Schaefer himself, been on the reservation forever, and uh, he said he's never seen one of the things, seen tracks, and he he was casting tracks that day we went up, but uh, said he had never seen one. And his wife, she said that uh, she's seen one one time. Now these, the big foot are there. And uh, this is how, you know, people get the idea, I guess, watching TV and stuff, that people are, are saying that they're behind every tree, you know. But, I, I, you know, it looks like, I guess, to the average person out here, that big footers are claiming they're out there all over the place. Well, yeah, they are relatively. But you could go your whole life and not see one and, and be in the same area, you know. But I, so it's not like what people think. But I, uh, I mean, there's a lot of animals that are known of too that we know for a 100% scientific fact, you know, even mainstream can't deny it or in certain areas. And it's, you still rarely see even specific animals. So, I mean, if you have the, something like this that has the intelligence factor to it, where it's able to intentionally hide from stuff, it just, that just makes it even harder. And it brings in kind of more fruition to the whole Sasquatch yeah. subject, just to know that there's a lot of animals that we know of that we still barely see. Well, and, and, and you know, the obvious ones are the cougar and, and uh, wolverine and stuff. But they, um, and these things are much smarter, and their abilities and stuff exceed the uh, what the animals that we rarely ever see. These things exceed uh, their so much, and their intelligence is well better than ours. When you know out there, so yeah. I mean, I've kind of described it as like, you know, we, we deem intelligence to be, you know, being able to read, write, like all that, because it fits into like what, how we live in society. But if you have something that's living in the woods and it has no reason to learn how to play music, read, write, it's still just as intelligent as we are, but it's just a different type of intelligence because it doesn't have a reason to be intelligent in the same aspect that we are, but it's way more intelligent than we would be in how to survive in the woods, for example. Well, yeah, but I, you know... Well, everything's speculation and theory. How intelligent they are, don't know. And why or how, don't know. Don't know anything about them. Don't know anything about their mind or, or their abilities or, or their biology or, or anything. You know, so, you know, it's a, that's one thing about this is there's so much speculation on it. Uh, they exist. And, uh, I mean, they're here. Uh, I get... Uh, Got all kinds of reports from here, and they're good reports. But I, uh, what I was going to say on the, the reservation with Ron Schaefer and his wife, she said she seen one one time, and uh, it was by accident. They were in a pickup. They were going down the road, access road, and she was sitting in the the back of the pickup, and. On that vibe in between two trees, she said she's seen this thing and seen it clearly was about 15 feet back, but she didn't get to look at it long because they're passing up. She couldn't say any of them, they were on the road right away. So Ron Schaefer said he'd never seen one. And, uh, and then, which lends credibility to the family to me. And, uh, then his wife said one time, and that was by accident. And, uh, but he, uh, his son had a very interesting story, and I, there was no way to doubt him. Uh, he said that he had uh, seen one, 
and, and like I say, the family's been on the reservation all their life. They're, they know about the Sasquatch there, but you're just so you're just lucky to see one. Uh, uh, you know, I look how many people have been in this all their life and never seen one. You know, Doctor Krantz, Peter Byrne, uh, uh, you know, s- several people. But he, anyway, uh, Ron Schaefer's son told me that. Uh, he was uh, on the access road. He was in the woods. He was going back because he hunted all his life. He hunted uh, on the reservation there in Colville. And uh, he said he's going around uh, a bend. And he said there was a sheer cliff, a wall. It was straight up. He says well over 100 feet, straight up. And he says right there in front of me was this creature. Uh, had one leg down on on a little ledge or rock outcropping, not much of one. Another one that was elevated more up, like it was getting ready to lift off with it, and its arms extended, holding on. He said it was about 60 feet up, and he says this thing just looked at him, and he says he's looking at this thing, but that thing had nowhere to go. It's on. Uh, it's on the, the face. It's on the face. You know, on the wall uh, of the wall. It's just, and <laughs> there's no way it can run. It can't do anything. It was climbing straight up, and uh, he says that look that it gave him. He says that was enough for him. He turned the pickup around and 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 headed back out of there, and uh, he said he's never been back in the woods again. That's a, a Native American that spent his life there hunting. And uh, he was, uh, there was no way he would, as far as I'm concerned, I know he wasn't, uh, you know, lying or fabricating something. Because I wanted to go out there and stay all night. And he said, you're crazy. Uh, he says, no, he said, I'll take you out there and show you in the daytime. But he said, no way, I'm going to stay at night. And he was genuinely scared. And he would look like a pretty tough Native guy. Yeah, he didn't look like he'd be afraid of anything in the way he talked, but he was uh, afraid of that. And, uh, you know, there's reports like that. And the ones, you know, that I've seen and people that I've talked to, so pretty convincing. And I, uh, so that's, that, was, that was the extent of my uh, experience on the Colville, but but it was good. And, uh, and, I, and there's so much. And uh, right here in town, uh, last year during the summer, uh, I went up to, to the gas, uh, told him the gas station here. And this guy, no, he's a nice guy. Uh, on pumps gas. And, uh, he was a little excited. He didn't know I was into Bigfoot. And, uh, he said, he looked at point of, we're surrounded by mountains here. We're just a little town. We're, we're, we're actually, in the middle of the wilderness, you know? And uh, he pointed up to a meadow, and he says, yesterday, he said, I, uh, he said, something got my attention. I looked up, and he says, it was an elk, and he said, it was right in the middle of that meadow, and uh, just standing there, and he was looking around and stuff like something was wrong. And uh, he says, I was watching it. He said, all of a sudden, it bolted, uh, to the tree line on the other side of, of where it came from. And he says, right after that, he says, 
something on two legs, and he says it was dark. He said he couldn't make it out, but he said it was completely dark, and it was running like hell, and it was right after it. It went right up and into the tree line where, that, where the elk went. And it was in the daytime. And I, I just believe him. Uh, you know, a lot of people wouldn't if they didn't, if they think it's impossible, but... <laughs> No, but I, there's so many reports and stuff, and he had no reason to say that. He's not a Bigfoot guy or anything. And uh, I, uh, my son-in-law, uh, he was a cop for 10 years here, or not here, another place, and then several years here, uh, 10 years altogether. And uh, he come in and woke me up about 11 o'clock at night. He said, I just got a Bigfoot report. I said, yeah, whatever. And I woke up and uh, he said, yeah, and he said, I know where it's at, and whatever, and this is, and, and uh, I said, well, tell me about it tomorrow. Get the information and stuff. He, he, he acted upset with me because I didn't jump up, and I thought, oh, shit. I know it's going to be a wild goose chase. I've been in this, you know, long enough, but I, of course, you never know. You could go out, and maybe the damn thing's still standing around, but I doubt it. But I, uh, uh, I said, I'll go and I checked, and he drove out with his cop car and, and uh, I followed him to the point where that went back in the woods and it just happened to be back in there that or where uh, uh, there was a storm or something a lot of down trees so there were people that was cutting woods wood back in there but uh, uh, there was no way to find it he says there's a certain big tree and everything that's down well there were a lot of down trees it was a bunch of, I'd rather been left alone and went to sleep but uh, the guy that uh, called the police to report, uh, he uh, came by and brought his uh, two kids, and he did not want the town to know about this. But it was an interesting report. I did go out and check it out in the daytime. But uh, he uh, wanted to happen, or he claimed. And I believe him. Uh, he had no reason to go out of his way, much less call the police. But he, uh, he was out there by himself. He had a pickup, and he was uh, he had a saw, chainsaw, whatever, and he was cutting uh, the wood, uh, the trees. And he said he looked up and up on a bluff above him, only about. 15, 20 feet away. He said he's seen somebody standing there. And he says he went right back to cutting. And he said in his mind, he thought that uh, must be, there's somebody standing there, you know. Well, there's other people in some of the area around there that had been cutting too, but it was starting to get dusk. And there's nobody around him that he knew of right there, but he had instantly thought uh, a person was standing there, and then he thought, well, he better take another look at what the fellow's doing. So he looks, and he's looking closer. This fellow's covered with hair and just standing there staring at him. So he, the saw, I guess, probably attracted this thing, but I, uh, he said he stood up and he's looking at it, and he said he cocked his head to one side, and he says this thing did the exact same thing, cocked his head and looking at him. <laughs> And so, that I wonder if not. they do that and they mimic sounds as just like a form of entertainment or if it's like that curiosity thing. I, where it's like I, you tell your head and your dog I, and they do the I, same thing, you know? 
I know. You wonder about that. Was it mocking him or, uh, you know, it, that's what it appears to be, but who knows? But I, uh, he dropped his equipment right there. He got in his uh, pickup and he hauled us out of there. And on his way out, he called the police. <laughs> that's how scared he was. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened to be my son in law that uh, took the report. Well, my son-in-law had saw one uh, when he was working with the police department in Washington. So he knew about it. And uh, so he was interested. So he, the guy came by with his kids and he, he talked to us about it. He wanted to tell somebody, but he did not want the town to know. Uh, the only reason he would do it, it was anonymous. And uh, it wouldn't, uh, you know, so people say, well, what do people fear? Why aren't they afraid to say something? Or anybody, you know, full cord. <laughs> but I, uh, so anyway, that uh, it was a nice, good report. But there, there's there's all kinds of reports. Uh, you get them from here and there, and uh, uh, you know, but the people do not want somebody else to know. Uh, they they have to live here, but they they really want to talk to somebody. They want to tell it, and. Uh, so I've got a little reputation where I don't talk. Uh, I don't tell any on anybody. Now, I've got a few people still I'm friends with actually that came to me and, uh, cause I'm known in town for this. I'm, I'm the goofball, the crazy guy. So, but, uh, <laughs> not crazy but, uh, over here. So, you, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, once you're in the fringe culture, you know, you, you get looked at as being intelligent, even though the, the rest of the town may think you're crazy. You know, I always say that the one that seems like he's the crazy one is always the one that's onto something. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I, I sidestep here for a little bit. Well, may, I don't know if we side, we can come back to big, but I guess because there's, there's things to say about it. But I, uh, I've, uh, I've been through so much that uh, I've had so many experiences, phenomena, unexplainable things that uh, with no witnesses. And I, uh, after a while, you know, so many years is going on because of the extraordinary, profound, uh, or whatever, extreme uh, interactions with the unknown that uh, I, I, there's been more than once I doubted my sanity and I wondered if I was okay. I, I've uh, been around ghosts all my life. Um, I've seen three UFOs close up, every, all close up. And uh, if I was any closer, I'd be in the ship. But, uh, I, uh, and then, uh, phenomena like, uh, lights, uh, spheres. I've had one uh, sphere. My wife was with me, but that's one thing about it. Kurt, my wife, I, she's passed away now, but I, I, uh, I appreciate it on that. Uh, she was a witness to, uh, a lot of the strange things that happened to me. And, uh, so that helps tremendously. Uh, I had a witness. Uh, and things so unbelievable. I would actually have to ask her every few years, did that happen? Did that happen? She said, yes, yes. And, you know, but I, uh, so gosh, I, uh, I might've really thought I was uh, insane or going insane if I hadn't had a witness. 
because most of the stuff you experience, you don't have a witness, and that's a very lonely feeling. And if you try to tell somebody you want to tell them, um, they just go up for it. They want to get away from it. But I, <laughs> it's like, I, it's strange, but it's all okay. I can handle it. But I, uh, if I hadn't had a witness uh, on, on some of this stuff, I don't know. But I, it's like a, one time I was, I love talking about this stuff. I, I just, I'm hooked. I'm beyond the point of no return. I, you know, it's always on my mind, all this stuff. And uh, so I talk, I sit down, I don't know somebody. I, I get to know them. We talk about things. I kind of work it around to see if they're interested in this type of thing. And sometimes you get lucky, uh, not very often, but uh, uh, you do. You got uh, somebody who's had an experience on something, and it's really rewarding uh, to meet somebody like that, and they're genuine. But uh, for the most part, you know. But I, I went and stopped into a little tavern. I usually don't go. But I just went in and sat down. A lady sat next to me. I started talking. Let's talk normal stuff a little bit, which is. It starts getting boring to me, you know, how they mowed the lawn or something and did the plumbing or worked on the car. But I I got around to pick for a little bit just to test her out and see what her response would be. And she was listening. We're talking. We're fine. It's like, okay, it's all right. Nothing deep, but it was all right. About a uh, week later, I, I think I'd driving by there. I figured I'd drop in the same place. And just as I was coming to the door, she was on the other side on the bar in and uh she thought i i guess she 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 probably thought I was out of uh range to hear but i heard her i heard her whisper to her husband she had her husband sitting there this time she had before, and I heard her say, "Hey, that's that crazy guy I was telling you about." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you get all that, you know, but uh, it's all right. Power for the course. I uh, uh, I can handle it. But, you kind of uh, start wearing it as a badge of honor after a certain point. Yeah, At least yeah, for me, actually, I do. I mean, I, people call me crazy, call me weird. You know, I, it is what it is, man. You, you like what you like, and you can't help it. And after you've had experiences, people can't tell you anything different. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of people you know, you've talked to have had experiences, including myself. I don't. That's yeah, what fascinates Yeah, you, I right? don't want to get down on people and stuff. I don't. I uh, uh, but I, uh, you know, I, I haven't got a big ego. I just say what I feel. I don't care. I, I've never cared about the limelight uh, or anything. I just haven't. And uh, I, I just, uh, God, I forgot what I was going to say. But um, when people like that, I actually, uh I hate to say this, but I, I feel like I'm smarter. And I haven't, you know, like I said, I got, got kicked out of school at a very early age. And you won't believe what I got kicked out of school for at uh, eighth grade. I was 15. I got for drawing flying saucers. But <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, That's a great story. <laughs> yeah, I, I did it all the way through elementary school. The teachers had pissed them off. I wouldn't study, I refuse. And that's when I was in school, it's usually ditching. But I, uh, uh, yeah, when everybody else was studying, the uh, teachers go up and down when everybody's supposed to do their homework or assignment or something. And they come by and look at me, I'm drawing flying saucers. 
every day. Oh, and that starts getting on their nerves. I think it's one of those things, too, that just open-minded individuals don't necessarily do that great in the standard public schooling system because they want you to think one specific way. And if you're an open-minded individual who doesn't you know, want to fall into authority and you just want to do your own thing and learn your own thing and you are okay with you know, not knowing things and starting to get into the weird wonders of the universe, like it just never ends up playing well as far as like the school yeah, goes. I don't know how to explain it. I rat, you know. My family was kind of dysfunctional. Uh, we had uh, some issues at home, and I didn't like school. I didn't fit in anyway. I was always self-conscious, and I, but I, uh, I just drawn to all this stuff, and I thought, and I want to study. Oh well, being slapped by my kindergarten teacher in the first day of school probably didn't help either. You yeah, know, it starts developing an issue with authority when you start having treatment like that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't want to go home, and I didn't want to be at school, so I did a lot of dishing. But when I was in school, I did what I wanted to do. I thought, heck with you, I don't have to do what you tell me to do. <laughs> so I was kind of maybe a little ass asshole, I don't know. But I, uh, uh, but uh, no, I just did what I wanted, and that's what I wanted to do. I was just infatuated with, I was obsessed with flying saucers, and uh, all the way through. And I, uh, uh, well, I ended up, I was having so many problems because, well, my parents were because the Board of Education was out every week threatening to put me in reform school. Um, so I went, I got kicked out of every junior high school in Southern California there. And uh, I ended up getting, uh, they put me in military academy. I got kicked out of there within a month. I was ditching and going looking for snakes instead of being there. Then uh, my dad, uh, it, uh, it was getting serious. Uh, they didn't know what to do because of the Board of Education and coming out. And my dad was a simple man. He was a hillbilly from, from the Ozarks. But, uh, uh, he, I'm just, uh, I was causing a lot of problems, I guess. But he, uh, so when I, at the time, when I was hit, uh, they found a, a church school, and uh, they had it arranged with the principal. They said, uh, just let him stay here. We can't take him out of school until he's 16, legally. And if you can stay, let him stay in here for the eighth grade through the uh, whole year, and uh, I'm planning on putting him to work, taking him out of school. My dad had a uh, business, which was pretty successful, actually. And uh, uh, so that's all he had to do. But he had, doesn't have to study. He doesn't have to study. Just let him do it. So the principal agreed. And, uh, well, after a couple of months, the, the teacher didn't. He was walking back with him down every time. Every day he'd come by and... I'd be drawing flying saucers. And uh, I was a bad example for the other kids, you know, which I guess is true. And uh, so I ended up getting kicked out of there, even though I had an agreement with the principal. So they put me in the last school that was available, and it was a reform school for dropouts. And uh, I'm still 15. And 
had the same agreement with the principal that uh, if you can just let him stay here, doesn't have to study until he's 16 and then uh, go. We just, you know, they told about the problems then. And uh, I was good for, and that's school for about two months. The teachers walking up and down and everybody else is doing their assignments, got their heads down and I'm drawing flying saucers. And uh, one day he just couldn't handle it anymore. I, I noticed him hovering over me and looking and he just sped up and took off and went out the door and I thought, oh, I know where he's going. He's going to the pencil. And he uh, went down and, hey, he came back and a few minutes later and he Huffed up to my desk and he said, Principal wants to see you. I said, I was only 15 and a half. <laughs> I went downstairs and walked in the office. The principal was just sitting behind his desk, just staring at me. He says, You want to get out of here? I said, Yes. He says, Go, just go. <laughs> so that's the last time I've seen school. I'm assuming you're Flying probably up. like me in the aspect where, you know, normal schooling is. It doesn't click in your head, but if there's something that really interests you, you go above and beyond to research it, and you retain every bit of knowledge of specifically just the stuff you're interested in. Like, you have an issue with... You know something? I, I learned a lot going through school and watching the kids and stuff, and watch the kids that probably had issues or problems at home are withdrawn or self-conscious, and they weren't good at, you know, uh, just shy around people, and that's where the bullying comes in. They they see the kids that got problems with the other kids. You know, kids are really bad, you know, especially get their little clicks together. And uh, they pick on one person, and they've seen that. Uh, and I've seen uh, kids that didn't do good in certain things, and and uh, they just had no self-esteem, no confidence. And I, I thought then, I thought, my God, why don't they let the kids do what they want to do? Whether it's art, a lot of the kids, especially like that, were into art or something, you know, and uh, and good at it. Why don't they let them do what they want to do? And that's going to inspire them, give them confidence, and they'll probably learn something else. But they don't. They get reprimanded and they get picked on. Uh, you know, it's horrible. I mean, same no, thing for me, care. man. They were trying to shut down my radio and TV programs back when I was in high school because, you know, that just wasn't fitting in what they were trying to do. And, you know, it all comes around full circle. They try to get rid of all these programs that are like, I'm more on the creative side, not realizing that for, you know, half of their student base, they're not like the book type of learning. They're like the creative type. So they're like making it harder for them to get into stuff in the future because they're not yeah, getting the opportunities know. as a kid, you know? Yeah, I don't know if this applies or something comes something comes to mind on that right there. I mean, it's kind of like the same way with the scientific establishment. They've got their doctrine, they've got their curriculum, uh, their protocol or whatever, and they got it down. And, and you go by this, and you go by this guidance and this, and that. Well, what the hell? There may be all kinds of other things out there, or something different, you know, and something maybe your science or your data or your laws of physics or something, there might be something out there that just freaking supersedes everything you freaking know. And how are you going to know if you fucking shut yourself up and keep you in that little box of that stuff? You know, uh, you know, it's dumb. Oh, and that's what I was going to say about people. You know, I, I like people. I don't have a problem with people punning and poking at me and have fun, as long as they're not being mean, you know. Uh, I can laugh with it and laugh at myself and, 
hey, I seen a 14-foot Bigfoot down there the other day. You go look at it. You know, uh, you know. Well, I will if you let me know. So, you know, I go along with it and have fun with it. Uh, it's all right. But I, uh, I, God, I forgot what I was going to say. But I, I, you know, it's just ridiculous. Anyway, I want to get back to the UFO thing. Something that's interesting uh, to me and over the years, now that they're coming out with all this, uh, 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 well, quantum physics and all that stuff, which I have no idea about, but I, uh, but vibrations, uh, frequencies, energies, and, uh, you know, the brain emits certain things and signals and frequencies at different times and, and on different people for whatever, you know, and uh, they seem to go forever, who knows? And if you're praying, uh, if you believe in prayer, if that works, seems like it does. That's an energy coming from your mind that's being recognized, you know, if that's happening. And uh, several other things. So there's there's a lot more de- and, uh, depth to that kind of stuff. And if you're thinking along that stuff long enough and intense enough and you're passionate about it, who knows what kind of frequencies and stuff you might or energy you might be putting out. And, uh, you know, to something. So in my case, I was absolutely obsessed with flying saucers. Uh, I always wanted to see one. When I was a little kid in elementary school, so I was drawing them every day. I dreamed about them. I got so many flying saucer dreams with aliens. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Well, I'll talk about that someday. They're pretty interesting, actually, I think. But it, and what am I? You know, I've always had imagination, but I so. But I'm doing that consistently. And uh, after I got married, I uh, I never thought I would see a flying saucer. You know, I always thought they were real. Uh, for whatever reason, probably from watching flying saucer pictures, Earth versus saucers, or something. I just thought the ships were fascinating. But I always wanted to see one, but I never really expected to see one. And I, uh, uh, in the same house where I was brought up in, uh, I ended up getting that house. My dad gave it to me after I got married. I got married at 19. And it was in that, in the yard of that house, only half a block from the school that uh, I saw a flying saucer. And uh, that was Long Beach, California. And it was a clear day, sunny day, no clouds. And I was in the backyard and I had a friend on the roof and he was adjusting the TV antenna and I was watching him. And uh, I noticed uh, something in the sky maybe a half a mile away or more. And, but it was kind of low altitude. And I figured the airplane, because the Long Beach airplane, uh, uh, airport was only uh, like around four miles or something. It wasn't very far. And uh, I, so I, I seen it. I mean, there was airplanes. Not a big deal. And I, I'm i looking at my friend more. So, but every once I look over and it's like in the same position. 
And then I got to thinking, because I was born and raised there, I never had, never noticed any planes flying in the area or over the house or anything. It wasn't an air traffic pattern. And uh, I'm looking at my buddy and everyone saw it. And every little bit I'd look back and see this thing. It's still, uh, it's not going left or right. And, but it's getting a little bigger. So it's coming my way. I'm still thinking plane. And, uh, and then I, I realized I'm not hearing any sound. Those little planes and stuff, you hear them forever. You can hear them and not even see them. You know, uh, they're so noisy. And so I'm kind of curious now. I'm, I'm paying a little more attention. I'm looking at my buddy, but I'm looking at this more often. It's coming towards the house. And, uh, I'm looking, it's coming, I'm looking to see wings on it. Now I'm, now I'm watching it more. I don't hear anything. And it's coming my way. And I don't see any wings. And it comes just across the street above the house. I mean, there was, must have been 100, 150 feet away from it. And not very far. Good enough to see it very clearly. It was silent, stationary, setting. It wasn't that high, uh, maybe two, three stories above the house or whatever across the street. And I'm looking at it, and it's a flying saucer. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I, I'm looking; it's metallic. It's just sitting there, and I'm looking it over, and it's like a a, a saucer underneath it, but but a metallic and a saucer above it, and the middle was a dark space, like the, the two saucers had come down on a uh, something, a dark space. And I'm looking, at, and I could see that uh, the dark area that, uh, that divided the two metallic parts was uh, concave or whatever. Because I remember... Imagining if I was there, I, I would be able to crawl back in there. It was open space. Uh, it was dark, but it was open space in between the two discs, uh, like one on top of each other, but that black, you know, space across. Uh, it, it, it was open. Uh, that wasn't a black solid thing. It was just open there. So I got a real good look at it. And I uh, just sitting there. <laughs> And I, I, at this time, I had to have somebody see it. And I, uh, my buddy on the roof, he had his back towards the craft doing the antenna. I didn't want to take my eyes off of it. But just for a fraction of a second, not even a full second, I turned my head to him. I said, I yelled at him. I said, look. And I, I was pointing, I, when I turned back and had my finger pointing at it, it was gone. So it was, it was all one piece, but it looked like it was floating as two oh, separate yeah, pieces. Yeah, yeah, it was all one piece. 
but that uh, uh, the midsection, uh, you know, it was uh, open. I'm sure there was something solid behind going in there or whatever, but there was open space right there. I, I'm convinced of that. Uh, on the on the front of it, uh, which was strange, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that wasn't a wall or something or something solid right there. I I I, I believe that the ship was on the ground. You could crawl into space. I don't know how far you would be able to crawl in there, but uh, uh, I never seen anything like that. Uh, and it was close. Uh, I got to look at it. The the metal, the, the metal uh, on it and everything. It just yeah, and it it went so quick. It, it well, it disappeared in a blink of an eye, and you couldn't do that. No plane could do that. Uh, you know, open space, uh, no clouds. Uh, no plane could have done that. Uh, no, I I saw my first flying saucer, and uh, I was ecstatic. I gotta get emotional over it now. <laughs> Holy tears. <laughs> But I, uh, it was just great, and I, you know, I wanted to see one so bad, and there it was, you know. Uh, wow. Do you think from but drawing I, uh, all the pictures and just being interested in interested in general, you almost like put out like a calling to see one? Because sometimes I wonder if it's like when people become so obsessed with the phenomenon, if it's almost like putting like a like a giant antenna on your head or a giant flag on your head, saying that well, like, you, like, I want I, them to show what you. What I'm saying about energy and frequencies is intense. You know, if you get passionate about something, uh, whether it's music or art, and you uh, meditate on it, and you concentrate, and and you build up an energy within yourself, you can feel it. You feel good. You feel a power. You feel like you want to do something. You know, you can feel it. You're generating. How strong is that energy? What at those frequencies that we're sending out from that 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 we're generating that energy that we're generating? Uh, how strong is that? Does that attract something? Uh, you know, I think that I, I think it's very possible uh, because you know, seeing one fly, flying saucer is one thing, but uh, the next one I saw with my wife was with me, so I had a witness. You know, uh, that was great, uh, and I, I think that I, I think it was about eight years after that. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, yeah, at least that because we didn't have kids when I saw that. And uh, we had two kids, uh, five and seven, and uh, we, uh, I rented a tent in Long Beach, and we drove to the high sheer Nevada mountains and camped out in that little place. There was a little mellow, meadow uh, surrounded by woods and a creek not too far, and uh, I, the tent, I, I set it up, but I didn't set it up right. I set it up on a uh, a slight grade. And uh, when we went to bed, uh, me and my wife, uh, about every 45 minutes or whatever, we'd, we'd end up at the bottom uh, of the tent, our sleeping bags. We'd, we'd just start going downward, you know, but on a slight grade. So after doing that a couple of times, uh, I said, let's just go out and sleep at the ground. Uh, the kids are fine. So uh, we put our sleeping bags, laid them out in the meadow, and just sit back and look at the stars, clear, clear skies, just millions of stars. And we're just gazing. 
I opened up a beer and my wife, she didn't drink or anything. And, uh, we're looking at the stars and, uh, till I finished my beer and I, I, I turned off to my left hand and it's pitch black. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. I turned off to my left side and as soon as I turned to the left side, I could see through the forest. It was like, almost like daylight, a different type of light. Uh, like a sunlight or something, a little hazy or something, but it was a bright light. I don't know how to explain it, but I, uh, that was strange. All of a sudden, I can see into the forest. So I turn back on my back, and I'm looking up. Well, the last thing I, I, I looked at was a full moon, big moon, bright moon, off to the right before I turned to my left. Now I'm looking at, there's a light I can see. And I turn on my back and I see a big bright disc. And the first thing I'm thinking is moon because that's the last thing I looked at. The moon's still off to the right. I'm looking at a flying saucer. It's right overhead. <laughs> and of course, I, I realized it right away, but I, at first, you know, that thought comes in, you know, you're trying to rationalize. But I, uh, I'm looking at a flying saucer, and it's got a light on us. Uh, <laughs> I, I forgot about my wife, actually. What color was the I, light? I, it, I, 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 I don't want to say ivory, but a bright ivory white light. It's just white. Uh, it was pretty. But, uh, you could see it full circle, the circle, you know, it was just lit up a uh, bright light, white, uh, and the light was coming from it right on. It was, we were lit up, and uh, I'm just watching it. I, I know what I'm looking at, of course. You can't you know, mistake it now that it's, you know, there, but I, I'm just staring at it, and I, I'm in awe, and I... I, I just, uh, I have, well, I had that thrill again, you know, I'm just watching it and I'm hoping it stays and stays cause I want to look at it. Uh, I got a very good look at it. I don't know how long it stayed. Uh, it could have been a short time, seemed like a long time. I don't know, but I, I got to look at it pretty good. And I'm, I was afraid it was going to, you know, disappear like that one I'd seen. And I, I, so I wanted to get as much out of it as I could. And, uh, all it just, in an instant, it just went from a, and quiet, it was quiet too, no noise. It just shot off. And you could almost like see a trail of light when it shot off. And there were some spotted clouds, but I guess, I'm guessing they were 50, 100 miles apart from each other. Whatever, there weren't many clouds, but it went from directly from overhead in a sitting position to a cloud, which I'm guessing was probably at least 50 miles away in a fraction of a second. And the lights, the lights from it, the ship. Uh, reflected off that cloud and it went into that cloud and it was gone within a half a second. Uh, just like that. 
And I, my gosh, it was great. And I, so, uh, now I, I really, I, I remember my wife, right? And I, uh, that's a bad thing to say, isn't it? But I, uh, I look over at her. She's not saying anything. She, her eyes are wide open. She's looking straight up. And, uh, so I just laid back and I said, did you see what I saw? And she said, <laughs> I seen it when it came in. Uh, when I had turned to the left, she was still looking up the stars. She seen this thing silently come in from behind and stop right overhead. Which is a little haunting. <laughs> yeah, just say it say it easy. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, this ship, they knew we were there. Just uh, almost like sneaking up on you. But it uh, came in from behind. She got to see that I didn't because I freaking turned at the wrong time to go on my left side. But I, uh, I, it, yeah, I, she didn't want to ever talk about it. Uh, she would, she'd back me up if I brought it up. And I was always wanting to talk about it, you know, but not her. And it took years to realize that, uh, she, uh, it bothered her. She never let me know. Uh, did you take these crafts as, uh, like for sure extraterrestrial or do you think that they could have been, some of them at least could have been, uh, like government secret, uh, technology? I can't imagine, I can't imagine any, uh, the technology that advanced to be able to do that, what, what I saw. I, and of course I don't, who knows what they got, but I, and uh, you know, uh, and they couldn't, uh, even if they got advanced stuff, uh, that couldn't be the answer to everything because, you know, UFOs and stuff, they go back actually thousands of years. Uh, you know, long before this, uh, you know, last hundred years or so. Here long before that. I mean, uh, I definitely think that they're working on it from both angles, but at least for, like, seeing how these things fly, I feel like as far as reflexes go for a human, uh, it'd be extremely difficult to fly to begin with. Oh yeah, yeah, but you know, they, they, there's probably so much they they don't tell us or hidden from us and stuff. If they reverse engineered ships, if they have them, who knows what they may have done? But I, I, I can't. They, they answered all these ships because their history goes back too far. They didn't have any technology to do the stuff in the cowboy days. Uh, you know, when there were buggies and 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 wagons, uh, and they were around. Uh, you know, so it can't be the answer to all of it, even if it was that. And I don't think it was. This, uh, when you see something like that and what it could do like that, uh, it just, uh, it's beyond. I, I just, uh, you're just in awe, you know. It's a just amazing, fantastic. Uh, God, I, so here I got to see two, right? Uh, I never thought I'd ever be able to see one. And really good views of it, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Close up. Uh, they're, they're how I found out that my wife, uh, uh, it, it bothered her. She, she, she knew I was into that stuff, uh, before she married me because I was talking about all this weird stuff. I mean, uh, she never, uh, you know, was really into everything. Uh, when that happened, she, uh, I, I don't, th I think she did want to, 
offend me or undermine or I don't know. She kind of go along with stuff with me. Uh, she know she knew where my passion was and stuff, but she didn't like stuff like that. Uh, but I didn't know that till years later, uh, many years later, uh, when I got to thinking about it, because I never told her this, because it was after the fact. But about a year after that happened, I, uh, I, I don't know why it, this happened this way, but I saw that saucer before. Uh, in my mind, anyway, uh, I've seen it, and I think it was before that happened. I've seen it on the horizon on the other, that ship, the same light, going and streaking across uh, in the direction from where it came from behind. But a, uh, about a year later, and I cannot think of that craft seeing a saucer overhead without think about that sighting, seeing it at another angle. And, uh, but it was a, about a year later before that hit me. And I've never got out of my mind since. And that was like in the early 80s or something. And I, I, I can't think of that craft without thinking about seeing it at that other angle. And uh, that kind of got me thinking. Uh, maybe something happened we're not aware of. I don't know. Uh, so, possibly at the uh, same time, maybe that's kind of where your obsession well, came to be in the first place. The we didn't pick any time, but I. Uh, oh, I meant at like so, a younger age. Maybe, maybe you had some type of experience at a younger age, and you blocked it out, and you're still seeing it in your mind. No, and no, maybe no. The this same was, ship came back. This was this. No, this was the same ship, and and at that time in that area, I I, I really believe that. Uh, it wasn't from another time. Uh, uh, I'm convinced of that. I believe that. But I, uh, you know, if any of this is real, who in the hell knows what's real? But I, uh, uh, but that's when I'm, I'm telling you the truth. But I, I, years later, I, like 20 years later, I, uh, decided to, I, well, I ran across somebody that uh, went through that uh, regressive hypnosis, and they said it freaking worked. And uh, I, I don't know two people now who use the same uh, uh, hypnotist, but I, I, got a, I talked to him. I told him I'd like to, uh, you know, have some sessions. And uh, I want to deal with my wife, and because uh, I, I want to go through these sessions and and her perspective of what hadn't come out, and then mine too, you know, and uh, compare it and see, you know, and do all that. That both of us would be great, right? Uh, you know, maybe she wouldn't have seen things in a different way or something. Who knows? But I, uh, so I wanted to be, that was very important to me. And she had never talked about this much. Like I said, unless I brought it up, she would back me up, but she didn't talk about it much. Because, yes, it did happen. That's about all she'd say. Uh, I thought she was okay with it. But I asked her, I said, hey, I've got this hypnosis. I want to do regression. Talked about the sessions, about the night. 
And she says, no, right off the bat, she got a little frantic. And she was always calm. Uh, I said, I want to tell you something. I think I saw that ship twice. She says, oh, right, now you've seen it twice. I said, I I knew you never said anything. It was over a year later. I, I, I just thought it would add to the confusion or whatever, and I never said anything. But it's always been on my mind, and I think it's worth checking into. And she, I hardly got to even talk. I've never seen her like that. She got frantic, excited. She got upset, and then I just started to open my mouth. She said, "No, no," you know. Uh, she said, "I'm not going to." But I said, "You don't want to know if, if something else happened." She says, "No." I said, you wouldn't want to know if you've seen the inside of a ship or aliens. Hell no. She just started hollering. I couldn't even talk. She just said, uh, I never seen her like that. She was shook up, uh, suggesting that. So I had to drop it. There was no way to do it. Uh, so that's what I did. I mean, it's it one of those things that hope. fascinates people until they actually experience it firsthand. Then after that, they want to just reject it. And I mean, it, it was mainly your passion, of course. And she was just oh, kind she of wasn't rejecting it. it she, she wasn't rejecting it. Uh, she knew we saw it, but she didn't want to know if anything happened beyond that. Uh, she she did not want to know. She wanted to forget it. Is what she wanted. Uh, you know, it bothered her much, much more than I thought. I I didn't know that till. I suggested that so that wasn't good but I uh, you know and I, I actually seen a couple more after that but I some of the other stuff is just as interesting she was with me uh, when we were uh, and before the before that event uh, we were in uh, south uh, Arizona south of Tucson and uh, there's a, a strip of road that goes for 100 miles between a little town called Ajo, and the, on the other end is Y. And there's a Papago, uh any reservation in the middle there somewhere. They've got a gas station in the middle. It's 50 miles in. And uh, we used to drive that road in the evening uh, collecting snakes on the road. And uh, so I drove fairly slow. You don't want to run over the snakes, right? You want, but uh, so we we drive that whole hundred miles and then turn around, and drive it again, just collecting snakes on that road. And uh, so this light comes off in the mountains on the left, and it, it's heading towards us, and it's a sphere about as big as a basketball, and it's yellowish, and it's like a bouncing ball on. The cartoon thing, the bouncy ball. Yeah. It's going like that. The pattern bouncy, about the up and down, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it's coming right at us. We thought it's going to hit the car. And uh, uh, it went right over the hood and kept going off in the desert. We watched it. We could see it, you know, a light. We could watch it. We watched it for a ways. Uh, went quite a ways. And uh, it was very interesting. This thing was controlled. It wasn't ball lightning or anything like that. Uh, this thing was uh, under control. But a the pumice rock would be three or four feet higher or whatever. It, it would bob. If it was higher than its level, it kept the same level the whole time, the level that it had when went over the hood. 
but as a bounty volley, you know, going off through the desert. And it would uh, elevate itself. It would bounce up and then, you know, keep the same pattern, but go over a mound of a rock or formations or whatever and kept going. And in the distance was a mountain of lava rock. And uh, I must have been a couple hundred feet high or 150 feet or whatever. And uh, it was headed for that. So it was interesting to see how I was going to negotiate that. And uh, when it got to it, it uh, it just stopped and bounced around it at the same level and uh, was gone. So that's something she got to witness with me. She witnessed a lot of things with me, actually. So you're the antenna. Uh, she just happened to be nearby. <laughs> hi. I said you were like the antenna for the experience, and she just happened to be nearby and get caught in the uh, in the aftermath. Oh, God, God, I'm so happy. You know, I've got so many crazy s- stories and stuff, and it's just unbelievable. Like I said, I don't know if I believe it myself. I wouldn't have if it hadn't been her. I Every three or four years, I'd have to ask her, did this happen? Did that happen? Did that happen? She'd say, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, they, uh, uh, it's been so much stuff. She never believed in anything. Uh, when, before we got married, I asked her uh, when the date was set. I, I said, "Do you believe in ghosts?" And she says, "No." <laughs> she developed Catholic and still didn't believe in ghosts. But I, I said, "Well, you will in a couple of weeks," you know, because <laughs> I, <laughs> and she did. She terrified for freaking years. Uh, they were there all the time. Even materialized before. I, uh, full apparitions, like you could completely make yeah. out the entire oh, figure. Yeah. yeah, full author apparitions looks just like people. But I, uh, so, and yeah, she went through a lot. I, God, I could talk for hours on that because that was a regular thing. But I, uh, she, uh, that, that, uh, the thing was, you know, when I was a kid, you know, and all these hauntings and stuff had good ghosts and had bad ghosts. And, uh, see, boy, I'm really getting into different subjects, aren't I? But, uh, it's uh, totally okay. I love doing this on the show where we can kind of diverge across all yeah, the, well, all the fun I topics. I could have stuck it, stuck the Bigfoot for hours, but, you know, if you want to vary, it's fine with me. I like actually get tired of Bigfoot, actually, even though I'm still going up where they're at. <laughs> but I, but I saw, uh, after about two weeks of at being married, uh, in that bedroom, and there had been no activity. I had it every night growing up as a kid. I was freaking terrified. And, uh, and my idea was, uh, I'm gonna, I never had a witness, and my parents thought I was crazy. And, uh, Oh, my dad just thought I was having nightmares. My mom thought I was crazy. But I uh, I never had a witness. That's another reason I wanted to get married. I wanted to have a witness. I figured somebody sleeping with me, you know, how, how are they going to get around that, you know? Because uh, these things would not, they get uh, they get upset if I even told somebody. they make it rough on the haunting thing, you know, that night, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I, uh, they hadn't 
no activity for a couple of weeks after we were married. Nothing. And uh, I thought, well, this is all right. Maybe I'm finally going to get some relief, right? And uh, it's after about two weeks. In the middle of the night, I don't know what time it was. My wife, I, I noticed she moved or whatever, and I looked at her. She had sit up. She was in her gown. And I just looked. I got up, and I looked at her face, and she's eyes are wide open, like straight forward. And she's not conscious. She never slept, walk, or anything. Uh, and she just staring straight ahead, and I'm just looking at her, and she says, they're here, and laid back down to sleep, and they started freaking hot, making all the racket and doing the shit. She didn't even know it. I got the message uh, that uh, out of that, that we're in control. You're not. They knew what I was doing. They knew I was trying to get a witness. Anyway, that's just the beginning of a long story. But I, uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah, when they, they finally started making themselves aware to her slowly and, uh, by tappings and noises and stuff, and then it graduated, uh, and to the point after about a year or so, she, uh, it was, that's, and she met me at the door when I came in from work. And she said, I've seen, I've seen two of them. I said, where? And she said, she went and showed me. She'd been sitting on the sink looking in the mirror, doing something in her face, eyelashes or something. And she said there were two right behind her. And people. And she said she turned around and looked at them. They were right there. There was a little girl and a woman. And she got to lick them all over the dress. Uh, the little girl had a blue dress, and uh, the lady had a, a darker blue dress and, and white top or whatever. And she, they just said, and they were smiling. She said they didn't say anything or nothing. She said it was a good demeanor. She said she didn't feel threatened or anything. And uh, she said she noticed that they didn't have any feet. The rest of them was right there, just like people right in front of her. And uh, she said they didn't have any, there was no, she couldn't see any feet, no visible, they wasn't visible. But uh, she got to I could look at them real good, and then they just vanished. And, uh, you know, so anyway, I could just tell you years of experiences with that and what we went through. And not all of them good. But I, uh, so that's another experience that might touch on here, I guess. But I, uh, are you still there? <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm just listening to, uh, yeah, okay. to all your stories. Oh, okay. I, uh, yeah, I'm so used to people. I, I, uh, I, I get to talking and stuff like that, and I, and I don't hear them on the phone after 20 minutes or something. I ask, gotta ask if they're they're still there. So sometimes they hung up, and I don't know it, right? No, I, d- I just I, find it so fascinating. I'm just sitting yeah. back and listening. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, actually, I do run people off sometimes i've actually scared people like get talking too much or whatever and like it's like what the hell really but i uh no i've yeah, heard some you, out there really really off the wall stuff so no you're you're right in my wheelhouse i'm, I'm enjoying everything you have to say yeah yeah i was kind of fun in there actually anyway but uh yeah the the first uh bad experience i had 
was with my first girlfriend, and I, I think we were about nine or ten years old, still in elementary school. And uh, I, I really liked her. <laughs> I, uh, we got along really great, good chemistry, and just kids. I, uh, I, I wasn't aware of the ghost thing yet. But uh, I was into ghosts, UFOs, monsters, ghosts. I uh, I was really interested in it. Of course, I lost my interest with that after two years. But uh, anyway, I I I had a secret little place in a flat roof and a, on top of a garage. It was a flat top in an alley, and uh, I. Here's my personal little place. I climbed up the utility pole and, and got on that roof. I, you know, I had my candy or whatever. And just, I could see the backyards of the other uh, places, the houses, yards, and everything around me and stuff, and elevated. And I just liked it. So I took her up there uh, and down the alley afternoon. And I there was a fence. The garage that uh, I was going to climb on was extended to the edge of the alley. The, the garage next to it was receded, and there was uh, a fence that connected the two garages, like the back end of the garage and climb on to the front of the garage or whatever. Anyway, there was a fence right there, and there was a, a fence uh, along the along the garage that was in the back. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but anyway, there was a pathway right there, and there was a, a, a fence connecting the two. Right, I lifted her up on, so and she held on to the roof. And I was, I was going to climb the utility pole to go over and pull her up onto the roof. So I climbed. So she's standing on that fence. On, on one side of the garage, and I went to the other side where the utility pole is and climbed up it to go over it. And before I got to the roof, I heard a yell and I gave a blood curdling scream. I mean, it was god awful. I like she broke her back or something. I was wondering if she fell off the fence or what. I got on the roof and I seen that she was grabbing on to the uh, uh, roof. So I went over to pull her up, and she's just screaming and screaming and hysterically. And I don't know what's wrong with her. I thought she was hurt, but I don't know how she could have been hurt. She hadn't moved. And uh, so I went back, got back down, came right down, got her back down off the fence. And she's screaming and screaming, and I'm holding on to her, walking down the middle of the alley. She lived uh, about only about a half a block away, and I about a hundred. A couple of hundred feet before I got to her house, I'm holding on to her. Her, her dad hold her, heard her screaming. He's coming. He's running down the sidewalk, and uh, he grabbed me. He said, "What's going? What happened? What?" Said, I don't know. I don't. That's all I said. He, he grabbed her, and she couldn't talk. And he uh, took her with. I went home, and, uh, and then that evening. I, I went back to the house, her house. I walked over there, and her dad came out of the door and, and ran up to me on the lawn. He says, "What happened?" So I was on the roof and stuff. So she 
because she had to be sedated. She's in a state of shock. And, uh, uh, it was just, it was serious. And, uh, she said, uh, after a while, whatever it was, said that, uh, I took that, uh, anesthesia or whatever it is or, or whatever it was to sedate her and, uh, took her out because the doctor wanted to talk to her. And, uh, she told them that, uh, when she was on that tent, that to the right of her on that pathway where that along where the other garage was wall and in between that and the fence, she said that, uh, this figure, dark figure was standing there like man looking up, looking at her and turned to the left and walked through the wall. And then she went into hysterics. She went into shock again. They had to sedate her again. And, uh, I, that's what her dad told me. I went back home and, uh, I walked to the house. I God, I wanted to see her if I could. I probably was still in the hospital. I don't know. Nobody wanted to talk to me. And they had a cell phone up on their lawn the next day. They sold their house one a week and they were gone. I never got to see her again. Man, after an experience yeah. like that, too, where they actually have to, like, re- not restrain her, but, you know, try to calm her down that much after seeing that. I mean, wow, like, that completely can change somebody's, like, perspective of reality, just watching a solid mass walk through a wall. Yeah, I, well, especially your kid like that. I, uh, I often wonder, you know, I still sometimes, I, of course, you're old, she, I mean, I can, who knows, but I, I wonder if she ended up in a mental institution, she got over it, therapy, or I don't know, I'll never know, you know. That, uh, that's a big uh, void for me. Well, uh, I guess you can hope for the best. Hopefully she uh, got over the experience or got to some well, type of something so. with well, it. Well, of course I hope, uh, you know, that, but I'll never know. Uh, Anyway, that's part of the ghost stuff. Like I said, I could go on for hours on that. But I, uh, uh, we went to Florida years later, drove, got a trailer, hooked it up, and drove across the states. And going, I've never been to the Everglades. I want to go down to Collection Ace, which we did for six weeks. And I, uh, the ghosts were with us there in the, all the time on the trip. And uh, wherever we went, wherever we moved, they were they, they were always there. Uh, she, had, my wife, experienced that, and I didn't realize until many years later. You know, she had that bothered her a lot. She didn't know what to think about me. Uh, she thought I attracted all this stuff. Uh, maybe I do. I don't know. See, I kind of wonder but, uh, if sometimes just being interested in the topic it makes it so it's like an antenna just for the aspect of yeah. like you know if somebody's yeah, interested they're going to be looking for it careful what you ask for <laughs> yeah exactly i mean uh uh you know you know you might get it but i especially if you're passionate about it no i have no interest in ghosts uh i i've had uh, my fill of that a long long time ago but uh anyway in fact it gets worse than that even that ufo stuff and the ghost thing i don't want to get into it and some of them have to get personal but it uh it's handed down from generation generation like my grandkids are uh, uh, dealing with it. 
I have dealt with it. Not every day, not a thing, but uh, some serious stuff. I mean, pertaining to the UFOs in particular, I mean, a lot of the time it seems like the extraterrestrials are interested in some type of specific DNA. So, I mean, maybe it's something with your bloodline that you have some type of special DNA that they're interested in. So they're just kind of watching your family and your bloodline. I mean, you see that a lot with abduction experiences that they'll, you know, abduct like generations of a family. Yeah, but who knows? Uh, Once they... If they do start studying somebody or something, yeah, why not generation to generation? But why, what starts it, I don't know. They pick you randomly or something, or was it the frequencies and, and uh, energies that were generating when I was a kid? I, I Who knows, you know? I mean, they may not have even have, like necessarily abducted anybody because I've thrown this idea a couple times that if there's something they're interested in, I mean, adaptation-wise, it takes generations for an adaptation to start taking effect. So maybe they know that there's something within the bloodlines of certain groups or certain families. So then they watch them to wait till that adaptation actually kicks in before they quote like abduct people to actually take that DNA that they want. They have to wait for it to develop first. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. But it's all theories. It I'm just making theories. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I've got a, uh, a testimonial that one of my grandkids wrote out. Happened to her. I want to go into it now. It's going to be in my book. But I, if you, uh, oh, if you got it, please book it. It sounds like an abduction. Something happened to her. Then I found out my other granddaughter said the same thing happened to her, and it's uh, pretty detailed. And uh, I'd like to read it sometime. I don't have it in front of me. But I uh, it's just didn't see what you think about it, but uh, it sounds like something happened. And she actually, she actually seen a flying saucer with her dad last year. Close enough, close enough to see the dome and everything just sitting. Did it look it, like the same one that you saw, at least from the description she told you? No. No. Because I was kind of wondering, no. too, if, I mean, generations later, of course, just like cars, like every couple of years, the technology upgrades. So, you know, why wouldn't it be the same with like UFOs? I mean, maybe theoretically well, it could be the same group, just, you know, using a different vehicle as time progresses on. Well, you, you know, if uh, I only seen the underside of that saucer that, was a, that came overhead. Uh, and put the light on us. I only stand there inside the full circle. Uh, you know, they seen it from an angle. Uh, it come up to a point and stopped. It was sitting silent in the daytime. And uh, so they were looking at it. They weren't looking at it from underneath. And they could see the saucer in the classic dome and just sitting there. And uh, my granddaughter told me that her, her and, and her dad, they were hunting East Oregon. And uh, when they saw it in the daytime, and uh, they both saw it together. But, uh, and, you know, he's caught a guy, and, you know, he's kind of out there. He, he doesn't make shit like that up. He always thought it was kooky. Uh, but anyway, they seen it together. She said that it, uh, it, it looked like a, a, had a mirror image to it, like mirrors. Uh, and they're looking at it. And then they just, and disappeared is gone. But they both seen it clearly. And close enough. So, you know, so that's interesting that it happens to be, you know, in the same family line here. 
It's also interesting uh, too when uh, you have experiences with people that don't necessarily believe in this stuff because I I always take those ones even more so into consideration when they're coming from somebody who doesn't believe in it in the first place and then they have an experience that makes them believe in stuff because it's like they had no reason to lie about it. They didn't want to lie about it. They weren't into the phenomenon. Like It just makes it that much more fascinating, especially when they start saying things that line up with you know, what we are aware of, quote unquote, of extraterrestrials or anything like that. When they start bringing in facts that people already know, but they have no base of reference, like that, that's always the most fascinating stuff to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, who knows? It's just fascinating. I, I like getting out, meeting people, and I'm not equipped or whatever to do the adventures I used to, but I used to travel all the time, go to different places. I spent a lot of time in Thock, Arkansas with the, you know, the dog monster thing. Uh, actually moved there for a while. But I, uh, I finally went, I started, uh, uh, it's still on the same subject here. So I was down there looking for people to interview about the dog monster. Unless they get to know you a little bit. If you're new in town from the state, especially California, they ain't going to talk to you. So I had to move down there to get uh, some attention where somebody would open up. But I, uh, and it started happening after I moved there. It took a while. But I, uh, I had people knocking on my door, but they didn't want to talk in town. They wanted to meet in Texarkana or on their farm or something. They didn't want the town to know, you know, about what they wanted to tell me. But, uh, I got surprised on one somewhat. I, uh, old fellow asked me, he says, I got something you might be interested in like to talk to you and he wanted to meet me at a restaurant in uh Texarkana so I met with him. Nobody wanted to be, didn't wanted to be seen with me in town. I mean the town knew what I was there for and they didn't want to be connected, you know. So anyway I met with him in town, his wife and two kids. Uh nice family, they had a little farm. And uh they wanted to tell me about experience. God everybody knew about me. It was unbelievable. That crazy Californian out here looking for monsters, right? <laughs> but they, uh, uh, they, uh, it's in this nice restaurant. They paid for the meal. They weren't rich people, I don't think. But they, uh, very nice people. But they just wanted to tell the story to somebody who might listen to them. And that's amazing. Uh, that's what I love about this. That's, that's another reason I got, I'm a stickler uh, against these uh, naysayers and stuff. And that get on that that are kind of kind of mean. Not the skeptics. Being skeptical is good. That's all right. I understand. But I think guys that you know that when they hurt or and they they people like this they want to come forward and tell about an special experience or something. They're afraid. I see it here in town. People that had Bigfoot. And, uh, you know, uh, they've witnessed things and stuff. Good people. But they're afraid. Uh, but that's why I, uh, anyway. I mean, imagine so, the stories lying in wait because people are afraid to even mention them. I feel like, you know, some of the best encounters with extraterrestrials, Sasquatch, like any of the stuff, ex- the supernatural, like a lot of the stories are repressed because people don't want to remember them, especially if they have like a big story and they're not into the topic. Like all that stuff's getting repressed. I guarantee you there's some amazing yeah, I, I, stories yeah. out there that have never I've been told. So many people, I've had so many people in so many towns listen to me talk because I go and sit at the bar and I talk and I have the whole, usually I have the whole ball rolling. 
you don't believe a thing I say, but they're getting entertained. And I, uh, I've had so many times somebody listening uh, in another area or something that approached me later or, or something and want to talk to me and tell me something. Uh, so that's been good, too. I got a lot of good stories on that, people that have done that. But anyway, getting back to the guy that had Texarkana, he says, this is not, I know what you're here for. This isn't about the Falk Monster. But we wanted to tell you this because think, we think you're the kind of person that would understand. I've got a lot of that. You think you're the kind of person that would understand, right? But I, uh, and it was a great story. Uh, and off the wall, I'm there. I'm not there for spaceships. But I, uh, they said the whole family, they said they, uh, they were coming into South Arkansas from Louisiana. And, uh, I, there's a long stretch there, or at least there used to be a long stretch on that Highway 71, going from Pack, Arkansas to, to, uh, Shreveport, mostly country through there. But they, uh, they said they're driving, and they said this ship, or whatever it was, uh, boomerang shape, red in color, was over the top of the car, going with them along the highway. Now, all of them, there's no way this family was lying or went to all this effort to make up a BS story for me. Uh, and the kids were excited. And they said, yeah, yeah, every time her dad talked. And the mother was, yeah, they were excited about it. And the kids couldn't. You know, I felt it was, it was great because they had somebody who was listening. And they, you could tell they just was, they felt so great about getting it out and somebody to listen to you. Who knows how long they kept, I don't know how long it had been since they seen this thing. You know, they, you know, they kept, they had to keep that to themselves. They can't let the people know because, you know, it's going to be down, you know, for them. But I, uh, so they, they were, they, they were glad that they had somebody to listen. And I was taking it all in, they could tell. And, uh, but they said that that thing was on, uh, uh, went along the top of the car and followed them until they got about five, uh, I think it was five miles, no, not very far, a few miles, I think it was five miles until they got It was at nighttime. And they said, uh, and they got to the, close enough to Falk, uh, it was gone. They just flew off, but it followed them. Uh, and they just wanted to tell that story. And, uh, so it's great. And the kids were so excited. Yeah, yeah, we, but they see it too, you know, <laughs> but it was great. And, uh, I got another one on the boomerang, uh, uh, shape, uh, was in Florida. Some people had just moved in the area from Carolina, North Carolina. And, uh, they said they seen, they were coming from the beach. I met them. I had seen them, but I didn't know them. And they were kind of excited walking my way. And uh, they, uh, they said, we just seen a spaceship. Right? We seen a ship. And they said it was a boomerang. And they said, right up there. This is close to the beach. They were on the beach when they seen it. Said, looking up, there's guys it was just sitting there. And uh, then it took off. And uh, they said they seen one when they were in Carolina. Uh, just like that. They described that boomerang shape. 
And uh, I invited him over uh, that evening. They came over him and his wife. Nice couple, not goofy, nothing. And uh, down to her. And uh, we had a long talk, shoot, and, and a nice talk. I had a good time. I told him about a couple of my experiences. But I, uh, so that was two boomerang reports. And uh, I had one more. I went down and worked on the hurricane uh, at Katrina for a while with a uh, storm-chasing outfit. And uh, while I was there, part of the team was a, a guy that he was a Army brat. He was a uh, son of a Fulberg colonel, Army colonel. And um, I, I got to know him. We were, we were together for months there working. And uh, in the evening, we'd sit around and talk and have a couple of beers. And I uh, got to talk to the UFOs a little bit one night. And he uh, told me about a boomerang. I read, he said he was in Melbourne, Florida, going down the highway uh, late at night. Nobody was on the floors on the road at all. And he said, describe. Now, I had not told him about any of these other things. In fact, I hadn't been talking about UFOs. Uh, and he said, this boomerang ship that was read came out and was over his car and went with him for several blocks and then took off. Uh, that's three independent things on the boomerang ship. Now, get this. It's going to sound unbelievable, but I'm not making it up. Uh, I thought, dang, I'd like to see one of those boomerang ships. You know, I don't know how long it was after that. Uh, I don't think it was more than a year or two years. Uh, I was in Washington. I lived up there. Uh, my kids lived up there instead of where they're at now in Oregon. And uh, I flew in from Florida. And I'm staying there. I went on the porch because they didn't want smoking in the house. About 11 o'clock at night. It's a neighborhood. I went out and sitting, I'm sitting on the porch, smoking a cigarette. I'm always looking in the sky, so suddenly, you know. And uh, I don't know if I was that bad. I'm just kind of sitting back. And uh, I swear this happened. A boomerang shift. <laughs> came gliding right in and it wasn't slow it was quick but I was in the perfect uh, angle to see it and it came in level and in front of me it I it turned to its side the left wing going down the right wing up it was boomerang shaped and almost like it was doing a pose, turned right in front of me. I seen the full profile of it, like looking at it from the top. And then it leveled out and was gone. And it was huge. And uh, I don't know. How, I don't know how to uh, understand that ticket because it was so close. I don't know how that works. How but big I, uh, would you describe it as? You said it was really big oh, and it was right God. above you. It was, I, 
I don't know the distance from where it was from me, but from where what I was seeing and looking at it, it looked like the wingspan. One wing would could have been a hundred feet. Uh, I it was just massive. It, uh, and then the other side of the wing, I don't know. I I don't know. And it happened quick. It uh, it didn't stick around. It just came in level. Did a turn, showed both wings, and leveled back out and was gone. And uh, but I got a good look at it from the look. I've just right the right perfect position to see it right. And uh, the wingspan was a beautiful uh, aqua blue or something. It was totally lit up. Uh, real beautiful blue. And uh, on the fringe of the wings. Uh, was an ivory white uh, strip that went right across the front of the of the wings, and uh, well lit up, uh, very well lit up. Uh, it was a beautiful freaking craft, actually. Uh, yeah, I got to see a boomerang ship. I haven't actually talked to too many people who've gotten to see the boomerang ships. It's usually the uh, the regular saucers or like the cigar shapes. That one's I feel like a like a more rare sighting. Yeah, I don't know, but those are. Well, I actually seen one more that I think was. Well, I actually seen two more, but one was uh, from a pretty good distance. Both of them were from distance. Ones are large distance. I, I was camping out in. Uh, Arizona, and uh, I, my son-in-law and daughter, which we were together at that time. That's been a long, long time back, and uh, uh, we're just out in the desert. I don't know where we were actually. I don't remember, but uh, we seen a light. It was several miles away, uh, two or three miles or something. Anyway, but a light zipped across the top of this horizon going along and uh i mean it obviously wasn't a conventional craft and it just sipped in it and then it stopped made a dead stop and then went down behind the cliff straight down it was going fast and made a dead stop and then went down behind this horizon or cliff and about uh it wasn't very long. Might have been 40 seconds, 30 seconds, 40 seconds. Or two, uh, obviously, jet fighters, aircraft, military, or whatever, was on the same flight pattern. Took off right, o- right overhead and kept going where it went down. Uh, so that was interesting. <laughs> but I, uh, and what was really neat, kind of, about a year later, or whatever, watching a UFO show, and there was that ship, or whatever it was, shipping across the highway, and the two jets going behind and hauling ass went past it up. You seen it on TV. Somebody else was out there and filmed it. You say it was in the same area, too, so it was uh, assumably possibly the same ship? The what now? Oh, it, oh, it was exact. Yeah, it was the same shit. Somebody filmed it, and then we've seen it on TV. We seen it live, and then we seen it a year later on TV. It was oh, exact. 
the two jets coming, it going, stopping, going behind, going down, and then the two jets directly over the same path. Uh, no, it was exact. Yeah, somebody filmed it. Somebody was in the desert, filmed it. Those but are always we, the best because we they bring it into like right? flourishing. Well, when you see something and then you don't actually get to record it, that somebody actually does record it, and then you know it makes you know that you know you're not the only one that saw it. So you know you don't feel so so out there being like, oh, I saw a flying saucer when somebody else actually still got the video proof and multiple witnesses ah, saw we the same thing. We didn't hear. My son-in-law's kind of a hard nose anyway. Uh, nah, we didn't care if anybody seen it, agreed or what, or don't matter. He don't talk about it anyway. He's not really into that stuff. Flying saucer he's seen with my granddaughter. His daughter, last year, they don't talk about it. Uh, they just don't care. <laughs> I just like that. They're not bothered by anybody or people. Well, being a cop for 10 years, he's had some tough stuff. He just don't care. You don't care what people think. And I don't not because I'm a tough guy, but I don't care either. Nah, that doesn't comfort me. I don't care if anybody sees anything. Or not. It's like Bigfoot. I don't even care if anybody believes it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, too, that no matter... Again, we were talking about it before the show, too, that no matter how much video proof you have nowadays, just because so much can be done with special effects, CGI, all that, you could literally have the number one perfect UFO footage with extraterrestrials walking out of it, or you could have... You know, Sasquatch uh, building a building a structure in the middle of the woods and have a full recording of it, and nobody would, you know, the community would believe it. You know, after they dissected the hell out of it, of course, you know, because skepticism is not always a bad thing. Yeah. But the yeah. average person, no matter what kind of proof you give them, as solid as it is, maybe thirty years ago, you know, it would be a little bit different. But just because of where technology yeah. is now, like nobody's nobody in the normal yeah, world is going to sure. believe I'm it. I'm not sure what to believe. I I, I don't put too much into the stuff. I don't want to get too excited because it looks too good. Well, I'm not savvy. I don't know what the heck they can do with all this stuff. People can, they can make some pretty impressive, uh, you know, sites and all this stuff and flying saucers and aliens with all this technology and stuff. So I can't put a lot of stock into stuff myself because I don't know any about that stuff, you know. I mean, even just uh, in general too, like, people aren't necessarily helping it when they throw in pictures that they know are false into the mix. Like there was that whole thing that uh, came out probably like six months ago where somebody was saying it was trail cam footage and it was like the back of like a Sasquatch with like long hair with like tall grass around it. And it was circulating for a minute until somebody realized that it was from a, uh, a French film called like the species odyssey or something like that. And then, you know, that, uh -huh. that got blown out of the water. But I mean, that was big Sasquatch footage for the first like two weeks that it was out until somebody realized that somebody threw up false information. But I mean, the problem is yeah, I don't, people I don't, are going to do that kind of stuff. I don't put in much, a lot of stock into a lot of this stuff and, and a lot of the Bigfoot uh, pictures and stuff. And I mean, you know, I can't say they're not real. I can't say they are either. Uh, unless you've got a certain thing, if it's close enough and you see the movement and stuff, uh, that might help. I'm no expert on any of that stuff, so I have to discount stuff because I get, otherwise I'm all to get sucked in. Well, they, uh, so because people can do some very clever stuff and, uh, people are freaking geniuses when it comes to creating things and stuff. So I, I sound in my league. I no way for me to be able to analyze this stuff. Uh, I just have to go by what I know personally. 
basically are the people that I know that have been in this long time that I know I can trust and they're credible. Like Ryan Moorhead, he's uh, he's great. Yeah, the Sierra sounds are some of the best recorded Sasquatch sounds in existence. And I mean, for all the listeners that haven't heard them, uh, assuming most of you guys have heard them, but I'd recommend going and checking them out if you haven't. And then as far as well, like, those stuff goes... Uh, yeah, I know about all the tapes and stuff. I've had them for some time now. I, uh, and I know Ron Moorhead, but uh, yeah, no, there's several of them. There, there, there's some good guys out there. Yeah. I knew Dr. Clance. I knew John Green and Peter Byrne and and all the earlier birds, and knew them pretty well, actually. I, uh, yeah, they're good. They were good. They, uh, they were dedicated, tenacious, and uh, they were out for the real stuff. And so was Ron Moorhead and, and several others. Oh, for uh, sure. Yeah. I was going to say, I got to throw in the names. Obviously, uh, um, Patterson Gimlin film is like probably the number one, and then number two. Uh, the Freeman footage, you know, the Freeman film, that, that that's yeah. some pretty awesome footage, especially yeah. considering it, looks, it was 1992. It looks, it looks real. It looks real. And I uh, I can deviate from the norm here on the Bigfoot thing, and and I, I've got friends that are in this and been in a long time ago, and they don't go for anything on the outer fringe or whatever of the Bigfoot, like, uh, you know, Out Monster, Three Toes, and Honey Island, Swamp Monster, and all that stuff, but uh, I'm convinced that they're real. I'm convinced that uh, the Hannah Alley Swap Monster is real. And uh, I did some research on it and spent some time there. But, uh, in fact, I know they are. In fact, I think I got some, well, not conclusive, but I got some evidence to show that it is, even though most of these researchers think it's all a hoax. Uh, so we can go into that area, too. Uh, but that's okay. I don't have any problem with somebody disagreeing with me. No, it's always good to have people that disagree, though, because then it kind of makes you double back over your research to begin with, too, because it's like, you know, you originally see some awesome Sasquatch footage and, you know, just being into into it, or even UFO footage, you know, you, you want to take it into consideration, but sometimes when it, you know, you have the people that are rejecting the footage, it makes you dig into it a little bit more in order to be able to state your opinion. So it's not necessarily a bad thing because it makes it so that, you know, perfect example of the Patterson Gimlin footage, you know, the more they try to disprove it, the more they're unable to disprove it. And the only reason that they've gotten to that point they is because so many people it. try to disprove it that yeah, they've well, proven it be by just yeah, trying yeah, to disprove it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. There's there's so many people out there. The majority of people, you know, it's just like Bigfoot period. They think that because they don't think Bigfoot exists, they don't think it's real either. The film. So, you know, there's, you know, there's, they're still in the minority of the people that believe it, but I, uh, so it's ambiguous. It's just, you know, but I, I forgot what I was going to say again, but I, uh, so that, it, that people are susceptible when they don't know or understand anything about the subject. I mean, they don't know anything about it or what they've heard on TV or something, or a show, that's it. And uh, so they're easily persuaded. And uh, when the Ray Wallace thing, family thing came out, that they had faked, it got around that the, that family, not even Ray Wallace said it, because he he faked things to the prince, we knew that. There's uh, uh, tracks and stuff in you know, Northern California, Bluff Creek. But after he passed away, the family came out and, said that he had, that Ray Wallace, their dad, was 
involved in uh, the film and that it was a hoax. So everybody listened. That's what you hear. That's, that's what I hear from people. Oh, that's a hoax. That was proved to be a hoax. And uh, they go to that. They, they've, they've heard that. They got that. Well, the news put the uh, press and everything. They put that out all over everywhere. So people, you know, well, there you go. It was a hoax. I knew it was a hoax all along. Most of the people fall for that, but they don't know anything about it. So that that's the way they're going. And that's why I don't have a problem with people when they kind of get down on me a little bit, because I'm just thinking I'm smarter than you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, the more you try to disprove it, the more you end up proving it to other people. And I mean, at least yeah. for you, for you'll sure. You'll never prove it to some people. You'll never prove it to some people. Oh, yeah. You got the naysayers and stuff going on, and it just gets so stupid, it's unbelievable. They haven't got a clue. And then you tell them what Bigfoot, the possibilities, the capabilities, what they obviously could do, and then thousands of testimonials on their climbing abilities, their speed, and running, and the weight that they can carry, and picking up uh, elk or whatever, and, and walking, and they just think you're totally freaking insane, you know, so there's no winning with those people. Uh, the only the people to, to listen to and talk to are the ones they're going to learn, and that's usually somebody's had some kind of experience, and you can learn from somebody. But this is a subject that you have to uh, witness and experience. Mostly, not everybody has to. I didn't. I, I thought, well, of course, I might be nuts, but I was nine years old. I'm I'm going to find out what Bigfoot is when I grow up, right? I knew, I thought they were there. Well, I. I know they're there now, for sure. But I, uh, people don't go that way. When I when I was a kid, I, I was thinking about this stuff. I, you know, I, uh, I think I had some common sense when I was little, like that. More sense than I got now, probably. But I, uh, how I really got interested in Bigfoot was, I was when I was uh, eight years old. I was reading about the bombless snowman and my aunt lived in Eureka, Northern California and I'm in Southern California. And she knew that I was, I was talking about the bombless snowman when I was eight years old and, uh, she knew that. So she came down to visit once while she came down for Christmas, 800 miles from Eureka to Long Beach. And she had saved, I was unaware of what was going on in 58 with, a. Uh, uh, Bluff Creek and the roadway there that's uh, going. And the, but the newspapers, you know, uh, when uh, Jerry Crew took that to the Humboldt, I think, or whatever paper it was, and they put it on the front end and it went worldwide, you know. Bigfoot. And uh, of course, that's where the name came from. But uh, so she saved all those clippings out of the papers for a year. And she had them in a shoebox, and she brought them as a Christmas present for me when I was nine. So that's where I got introduced to Bigfoot from those newspaper clippings. And I, uh, I thought, gosh, I don't have to go to the Himalayas when I grow up. They're over here. As a kid, with a dream, right? So I, uh, I went and looked at the mirror, looked in the mirror, and I looked at myself. I've seen two eyes, seen symmetry, two legs, they're equal, toes on both sides, hands on both hands, 
the fingers on both hands and arms, two eyes, and they're in, I mean, they're proportionate to everything just right where it should be. It seems like I'm just analyzing myself. In fact, I'm thinking, where in the hell did you come from, right? And I, I'm thinking, if I can exist, anything can, right? So that's my attitude. I think anything can exist. I think anything is possible. Uh, so you show otherwise, maybe. I don't know how you do that. But why not? I mean, even just off I, of I, that, it brings a sense of wonder to the world to begin with. And I mean, I talk about all the time on the show that there's not much to explore anymore. So it's like, you know, you, you got to explore the unknown when there's no more of the natural world to just be able to get up and explore anymore. It's like it's naturally driven within people that we want to discover and explore. With 8 billion people on the planet, whatever it is, there's all kinds of areas to explore. Nobody has an idea. You're getting in that sometimes. There's so much territory. There are, there's areas in North America, in California, Northern California, Oregon, where nobody's even been. I could get into that sometime. And everybody thinks that every, uh, but a ground has been, you know, walked on. No, it hasn't. Uh, there's just some impossible, difficult areas. And uh, anyway, I, I start getting into that. We'll be going on that for a while. I don't want to do that right now. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. No, there's all kinds of places. I mean, just to throw and, in an uh, example I, that I completely slipped my mind, I had a guy named Pat Spann on the show not too long ago, and uh, he used to explore... Or, well, he was he was beast hunter for National Geographic, and uh, he went to Mongolia, you know, trying to figure out more about the Mongolian deathworm. And uh, he said, right. you know, exploring the Mongolian deserts and stuff, he ended up finding a nest with dinosaur eggs in it, and uh, he ended up giving them to like the government and stuff. But I mean, that just shows that nobody stepped there for millions of years. If there's literally a dinosaur nest there with eggs still sitting in it, and he claims that he thinks yeah. Nicholas Cage bought one of those eggs, so kind of a funny story, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Richard Greenwell, I don't know if you're familiar with him either, with the International Society of Cryptozoology. Uh, Bernard Hoovens was the president. And Roy Mackle, Dr. Roy Mackle was the vice president. Yes, actually. That's a good story how I got introduced to him, too. But I, uh, he's the guy that opened up the doors over there for looking for dinosaurs in the Congo. And, uh, uh, Richard Greenwell, he uh, he had plans. He went, asked me if I wanted to go with, over to, to Mongolia to look look for the death worm, but uh, we never we never materialized. That would have been an amazing adventure because <laughs> I feel like that's one of those yeah. ones that there's just a lot behind it. And I mean, even the Mongolian government acknowledges that they exist over there. And I mean, Pat Spain coming on the show was talking about how the natives in Mongolia kind of put these stories to each individual animal, um, kind of more out of like a respect, kind of leave it alone thing. So, I mean, be it that the Mongolian death worm actually is exactly what it is as a cryptid or it's just some type of misunderstood ground yeah, snake it or something. Like it's it. still fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, Richard, uh, uh, he thought that uh, the evidence was pretty good. That's why he wanted to take to an action over there. Uh, but it never happened. But uh, we did we did some things together. I, uh, uh, God, you younger people growing up, you don't know about some of the guys in the past. Uh, but anyway, 
Yeah, Doctor, I don't know how you'd top uh, finding evidence of living dinosaurs. Dr. McAuley, uh, hi. Yeah, yeah five, I think it was 500 miles back in where you found the uh, tracks of a dinosaur, fresh tracks. Uh, yeah. So that's, you know, that's a whole other story, too. What kind of tracks there. were they? Were they like, uh, like, could you tell what, what type of like theoretical dinosaur could be off the tracks? There was three toe, uh, clawed toes in the front and, uh, round, uh, somewhat like elephants, uh, somewhat, but they had claws. Uh, and the branches above were eight, eight feet up were broken off. And, uh, there was a trail through the jungle where it went from a pond where it had been sitting for a few days, according to the pygmies in there that got the report out. Uh, it had traveled, uh, uh, through that jungle. Uh, not a long ways, but uh, till it, it got her disappeared in a river. So, especially out there, it's like that stuff is so thick that even the locals tell stories about different types of beings and different types of creatures that are there. And I mean, there's like, no telling what's there. Yeah, exactly. The Congo, the Congo Basin. Uh, God, I've got all the uh, mileage and square mileage and everything written down at home, but uh. uh it's larger than Texas and uh, part of Alaska, anyway. Uh, and it's unexplored. Uh, the Laquala Basin in the center, I think, is seventy-seven thousand square miles or something like that. It's totally it, it's it's unexplored mostly, and it's the center of uh, where there's probably a lot of activity within that basin. And uh, it's a nice, like a trappy uh, ecosystem. The the temperature is the same as it was a hundred million years ago, and the flora and the fauna is the same. The tributaries and riverways have not moved; they are the same. Uh, nothing's changed. When the continents were dividing, Pangaea. They called it the supercontinent when they were drifting apart, you know, we're connected Africa, South America and all that. When they're drifting apart, ecosystems were changing over the years, millions of years. But, uh, the center where the swamp is, Lickwalla, it's, was not, while, while the rest of Africa uh, flora and fauna, ecology and stuff are changing, adapting to things, all different types of conditions, weather conditions or whatever. Uh, the center right there in the Congo remained the same. It, it was pivotal. It was right in the center of the continent. It did not change. It has not changed for over, well over a hundred million, hundreds of millions of years. It has remained the same. That's the place for something like that to be. Oh, for sure. And, uh, again, it's, it's, there, there's a bunch of these like random pockets, like you're kind of mentioning that still are yet to really be explored. I mean, even going down to like Peru, for example, um, I mean, there's endless vast forests down in Peru too, that, I mean, who knows what the hell could be existing down there. And then you go to Vietnam, just another example. And you have like the, uh, the stone apes and the locals talk about those and they hide within like the forest and the jungles. And, you know, there's so much stories about them that it, 
kind of at this point kind of feels like uh you know it's not like some folklore like oh we're just trying to catch this random creature like people are like oh no they exist out there i i, I don't know why people are surprised at the possibilities uh, they get well they're busy doing their businesses driving truck or whatever they're doing going to the bar and drinking at the evening they don't they're not in all this stuff so they it sounds ridiculous to them. everything we're talking about is real <laughs> Just the opposite of what people are thinking. Just the opposite. I, it's it's all real. People just I don't, don't want to accept it because it doesn't fit into their perspective of reality. Well, it's hard to accept. I mean, we got the wars, we got countries, we got technology, we got satellites, and people are thinking, oh, "Well, God, we would not, we would know about some of this stuff. This is ridiculous, you know, dinosaurs or whatever. You know, sounds ridiculous on the face of it." And if you don't know any better, you're doing your other things. It's not like us who really getting into it, uh, you know. So they got a different perspective, and I understand that. But they, uh, you know, they it's all real. Me and uh, Richard Greenwell, he invited me to go with him. It was in Florida. We went to uh, uh, McCannis, I believe was his name. He was one of the uh, two guys that uh, on uh, Yellow Submarine, the Alvin. And uh, he helped develop that submarine. It was the deepest uh, submergible sub at the time. And uh, McManus was uh, an engineer. And he was uh, as a two-man sub. He was on there when they recovered the hydrogen bombs off the coast of Spain. And uh, he, when he retired, he claimed to have uh, seen a... Uh, uh, plesiosaur in the Caribbean, 2,000 feet down in the sub. And uh, uh, we interviewed him at the house, his house with his wife. And uh, he, uh, it was freaking neat. Uh, he said he was 2,000 feet down. And he said that uh, they had uh, floodlights or whatever, lights on both sides of the sub. And uh, the sub was pointed down, and uh, he's got a, a portal glass or whatever you can see, you know, through on the sides. And uh, he said, and the lights blink, licking, you know, shining off into the dark, in the depth there. He said, uh, bless you, sir. Swam right up the long neck, right up to the glass. And he said he's looking at it, the teeth and everything. He drew us a picture of it. And uh, and he said that the pilot in the front wasn't aware of it. And McManus said he was trying to uh, work the sub, get it up where he could get a, a camera angle to get a picture of it. And... Uh, he said, uh, before he could do that, he said the thing darted right off very quickly, darted off right back into the dark, uh, you know, the depths, but it was gone, but he said he's seen it. Uh, and he drew it for us. Pleasure source. 
that's one of those ones that even if there was some type of giant impact, like we know that most stuff that stayed alive supposedly went into the water. So if there were giant dinosaurs living within the water, I mean, they would have been in the perfect spot during the impact where they shouldn't have been affected. So, I mean, realistically, I feel like the most plausible dinosaur to still exist is definitely some type of like aquatic dinosaur, such as a plesiosaur. Uh, it's not just that. It doesn't have to be that. Hell, uh, horseshoe crabs have been around for 100 million years. You know, that alligators have been here time of dinosaurs. Many of those things, they have, they didn't die out. No, if anything, they uh, just got a little bit smaller, but they kept the same body structure and everything else. Oh, I don't know if they got smaller. I'm not much on evolution, but uh, different species, different types. But uh, the large ones, you know, the ones that got uh, crocodiles that got over 50 feet, uh, it looks like they're still in the Congo. Yeah, so I was going to say, there's still some random ones that pop up. I mean, even if it's somewhere in the genetics, too. I mean, even if you're looking at it from the sake of, like, adaptation rather than, like, evolution, that maybe they just got smaller because of the sake of, like, food source, um, you know, there's, because there wasn't as much prevalent food, you know. Stuff. You know, about 10 years ago, they found a whole uh, new rainforest that nobody knew about. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're always finding, like, those weird caves in Indonesia uh, that have their own, like, clothers. Yeah, like their own I, weather climates and everything. I, yeah, but I, well, we could go on, and that's another getting into other areas. And, and where I've told you every piece of ground has not been searched over. But I, uh, that would be a whole other chapter. But I, uh, uh, yeah, anything's possible. Different systems and ecosystems that, that support what certain species need and hit, hidden or trapped ecosystems that we're maybe not even aware of. Uh, you know, all of it, of course, uh, there's a lot more mystery to the planet and what people think. People think everything's been discovered. Uh, they've always thought that. They've thought that for hundreds of years. Cuvier, I believe it was, uh, hundreds of years ago, said there's no more known mammals. We've, we've got all the big, uh, uh, primates and, and, and big animals and stuff that there is. And that was long before the discovery discovery of gorillas so that's and he was a big scientist you know so so they got the same mindset today it's no difference oh for sure and uh at this point we're running at about two hours and like 10 minutes or so and obviously you have a bunch more that you you would love to talk about a bunch more stories you'd like to tell to talk about but I'm going to try to cut it off at around two hours and that just leaves the opportunity so that we can do another episode. And I always like doing it rather than getting like the full story all at once. I'd rather spread it out, especially when I enjoy talking oh, to yeah. and listening to these awesome yeah. stories. So yeah, what, what we're doing here, we're, we're leaving out a lot of detail on some stuff and, uh, we haven't even gotten into Bigfoot yet. Oh yeah. That, I know that was the main thing that I was going to have you on the show for. Yeah, but yeah. We ended up getting sidetracked on UFOs, which I'm perfectly okay with. And I well, gave you the well, opportunity well, to talk about it. So yeah. Well, well, you gave me the green light. So there I went. <laughs> and it worked out perfect. I, I absolutely enjoyed hearing everything that you had to say about it and sharing all of your experiences. I'm just, I'm just talking off the top of my head. Oh, it, it can get much weirder than that. Trust me. <laughs> and we'll save that one for next time because there definitely will be okay. a next time, hopefully sooner rather than later. But I yeah, always like anytime. to leave with uh, words of wisdom from the guests to the listeners. So if there was any uh, words of wisdom you might be able to bestow on the listeners, uh, what might it be? 
Uh, yeah, I'd say don't get big-headed. Stay open-minded. And, uh, yes, anything's possible. Absolutely perfect words of wisdom. Definitely always stay open-minded and stay a skeptic, but a healthy skeptic, of course, so that... Oh, healthy skepticism. I had some body or whatever uh, came out to me. Uh, they were kind of like a little group of people, and they just thought I was just the weirdest thing in the freaking world. <laughs> but nice, nice guys. But he, one of them come on, big guy, he come over to me, he says, Ronnie, he said, yeah, I guess they thought I had a little sense. But uh, he said, you got to, you know, uh, keep your feet on the ground. You know, you're just being compassionate and nice. And I said, that's okay. I understand that. I keep on my feet on the ground as long as I don't keep putting my head in it. <laughs> <laughs> head in the clouds, feet on the ground. That's the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> But I, uh, yeah. I appreciate you making the time to come on today, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I'm really looking forward to getting to dive into the ultra weird stuff next time. Oh, I would love to get into it because it's some rare stuff. Maybe some of it, uh, I don't know if anybody's even heard of it. <laughs> In fact, I would like somebody to uh, come back on it so, on some stuff that's uh, so weird that... Uh, my gosh, I don't know if I believe it, but I know it did. It happened, you know, and different things. And I, uh, I, I'm not even going to start, but I, I feel like it. But I, uh, I got some stuff that's so strange that I've been through that, uh, uh, well, we'll leave that. Uh, love to talk about it. Um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it just gets weirder from here. By the time I'm through, I'll probably be convinced I'm crazy. <laughs> but in a good way, because the audience is very open-minded, as uh, I like. To hey, I don't adults. mind. I don't mind at all, as long as I can entertain people and and they're happy and they're laughing, and that's okay with me. I've done it many, many times. I uh, I'll give you one uh, one. Uh, how many minutes we got left? Uh, I mean, if you want to tell one more story, you're you're more than welcome to. Yeah, I'll tell you one one more. I uh, uh, some of the experience I was telling you earlier about uh, people are. There's someone listening sometimes that will want to talk to you on the side, right? And uh, I went into Northern California, stopped in a nice restaurant bar, plus place. I sit on the bar, and I, after a few rum and cokes, I got to talk about my favorite subjects, right? I'm talking about Bigfoot and stuff, and one guy started talking. Next thing I know, I had the whole bar going, and they're asking me questions, and uh. I really didn't know anything. I said something about hominids or hum, uh, and stuff and hominoids or whatever. And they go, oh, hominoids kind of got a kick. And they were dressed nice. And, uh, had some educated. They had some class or something going on. Uh, uh, fancy restaurant. But it uh, wasn't cheap. And they're sitting there. I entertained them all night. Uh, they were just laughing and hooting and actually kind of having fun. I mean, they weren't anything i said seriously but which was okay i was having fun too i do and they having fun and uh so it was all right and i uh i gotta have to go to the bathroom and uh this uh waitress or whatever i guess yeah waitress but i uh she uh intercepted me she had been listening i had been there for hours 
and uh, he said, uh, "She says I know. Those uh, they're all laughing." She says, "Afraid of you," and I, that kind of surprised me. Actually, I didn't get that at all. But uh, she said, "They're afraid of you." <laughs> like, well, but she says, "I." Uh, she says, "The reason I approach you is because." I want to tell you something. And she says, you're the person I think they would listen. Uh, there, I, I get that again. You know, I've had that many times. And uh, she says, I'd like to talk to you. She says, I'm closing up. And she, it was a small town in Northern California, a mining town. And uh, she said that uh, I, uh, I'd i like to t- talk to you about something. And uh, after everybody's gone, uh, you know, so I went back and entertained the guys. And uh, last call, everybody left. Just me and this girl. She was closing up. And she told me a very interesting story. Uh, she said something to happen to her. No way not to believe her. She didn't stop me and keep me over time. You know, and she's off and everything to tell me something, you know. But I, uh, she said that... Uh, she was working there one night. Everybody was gone. And uh, closed down at 2 o'clock. She said she liked it. Went out in the parking lot. Nobody around. Pitch black. It's one of the small towns. You know, the, all the stores and business everything closed early. And nobody around. Nobody on the street. And uh, she went out in the parking lot. Her car there. Had a flat tire. And she said that uh, she had uh, a babysitter, a new babysitter. She had never used it before. She said they had to use her. Couldn't use somebody she really knew. But uh, this babysitter told her, and she made it adamant. She said uh, as soon as she closed up, she had to get home. But she had someplace she definitely had to be. She could not be there with her kids. So she knew that she had to get home with her kids after she closed up. She had so much time. Well, now she's got a flat tire. And uh, there was no call service at that time. I, I didn't have so much. But there's nobody open. There was no phones. And uh, she broke down. She said she didn't know what she was going to do. She panicked. She's thinking about her kids. She didn't know babysitters she has her watch. She didn't didn't even know the babysitter really. She had to have her because of the night kind of emergency thing to go to work. And uh, she was really worried. And uh, she said, out of the dark, uh, she could see somebody walking her way across this field towards a tall guy. And he got in the viewer's chair closer. She could see him closer and uh, had a, a hat on, old-time hat or whatever, but it, and it was look, it was down, pointed down the front of it, and she couldn't see his, make out his face. He had a, a black uh, uh, overcoat or whatever on, and he dressed in black. It was dark. Everything about him was dark. She could not see his face. Paul and Linky said he came out of the dark from the field and he had a jack 
and she's silent. She's just watching. Sit down, never looked at her, nothing. Sit down, squatted down, or put the jack down. Said he walked back into the field, come back, or the block, and said he's jacking up the tire, or the car, going to change the tire. And she's just standing back and watching this figure. And uh, while he's working on that, car drove up with three guys in it. And they didn't notice, couldn't see this guy in the dark working on the car or didn't notice him at all. And they started uh, saying some vulgar things to her and what they'd like to do to her and all of that. Very threatening. She was in a dangerous situation. She she said, this fella stood up, walked out away from the car, walked forward a little bit, and stopped and stared at him. Said they uh, started hollering at him and saying some not-so-nice things to him. He just stood there. He didn't say anything and stared at him. And they got a little nervous. They took off. She said he finished changing the tire, took his stuff, walked back across the field into the dark. And she said, do you know what's on the other side of that field? And I said, yes. <laughs> I said, there's a drop-off. It's almost straight down the way it is. And banked all the way around. There's no way to walk up it. You can't go down it unless you slide and make, you're going to hurt yourself. And I said, there's a graveyard there. She says, yeah. <laughs> Besides the graveyard, yeah. it almost sounds like one of those uh, guardian angel type of situations. Uh, oh, well, this fella helped her out and saved her butt, too, from those guys. And she made it home. And uh, she, she wanted me to hang around and lock that door just me and her so she could tell me the story because I'm the kind of person that might understand. <laughs> Not those fellows laughing at me that was at the bar, you know. Mm. I uh, so yeah, so it's great, it's good stuff. I I I don't mind the uh, the negative stuff coming back because I think uh, we may know a little more than they do. Yeah, doing a little bit too much research into stuff. At least, you know, we can sit down and actually listen to somebody's full story and take it for what it is and not, you know, instantly assume somebody's crazy just because they have a bizarre encounter that happened. I mean, specifically that one, though, that's like one of those pure, like, uh, guardian angel type of situations. Like, you don't hear about them too, too often. When you hear about them, it's always like a positive thing in the aspect of you hear about the dark side of the paranormal. It's not too often you hear about, like, a positive side of the paranormal. I mean, not that it's necessarily dark, but maybe a lot of just misunderstanding. You know, grandma, you're touching your shoulder, but you're scared because you don't don't know it's your grandma, you know? There's there's a good, there's an evil, and don't, don't necessarily think that it's your grandma. It may not be. And yeah. don't necessarily, don't necessarily, when you go in the woods, that little birdie chirping, you think it's okay. There's no big chirping around because the little birdie chirping, because it might be the Bigfoot that's chirping. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So, yeah. Uh, oh, I've got a lot of, in fact, i got a whole chapter called Bar Talk. Different experiences like that, something significant, important uh, uh, that I've gotten out of bars, just 
Bartok, one chapter. I'll have to send you my book if I get it done. That's what I was about to ask next, because you made a lot of references to your book. And uh, for the listeners that might be curious, um, you know, do you have any idea of when it might be coming out if so they could look for it if they're interested in it? Well, I've only been working on it for about 20 years. <laughs> and I think and I think I got 50, 60 pages. So uh, it might have to be the next, it might have to be the next time around when, you know, another life I don't know I, I'm going to try to work on I just get burnt out because I'm not really a writer so I'm having a problem you know a lot of editing and stuff I didn't know it was such a chore oh yeah you don't realize how evasive something is until you actually start rolling and trying to do it uh, I got a couple of books I'm working on myself and it's yeah same thing that you know I, I was a poet beforehand but it's a totally different form of writing and even like podcasting is a totally different form of media than writing a book. Like there's a lot more that goes into it and you know, the perfectionist comes out in you when you see everything in text and you want to make sure everything's grammatically correct and everything's in the right order. And yeah, there's just, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just like organizing a thought in your head. It's organizing thousands of words in a, oh, no, no, I, I, I'm burned out on it. I have to just quit and put it aside. I, I just get burned out. I, it's uh, it's a lot, lot more than what I thought. Because I, like I told you, I got kicked out of school early, and I, I really don't. Uh, there's a lot of words I don't know, and I don't know. I, I need certain words to describe certain things and stuff. And I have, uh, especially when it comes to geography or areas and stuff. And I, uh, so I, it's more problematic for me than it would a real writer, you know, uh, be for a real writer. But I. You know, I'm going to get through it. In fact, what I got, I, I think it sounds pretty good. And I, I, I'm getting it fine-tuned where it, it, it makes sense. And I think they're interesting stories. There's a lot of stuff. I think it's, and there's the, the good side of it, the humor side, the things that happen to you while you're looking for weird stuff. You know, like John Lennon said, life's what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. There's all kinds of side things. And uh, I'll give you one example. God, my God, I could talk forever. I'm going to have to let you go. But I, uh, when I was in Arkansas and I moved there for the Talk Monster thing, I, I lots of things happened. It's just, well, I, I might get started in something. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a clue. That's it. But I, uh, well, I don't know where to start. There's so much. But I, within two weeks, period, while I was there, or more than that, I, uh, uh, it's a different, uh, like country or culture down there. It used to be, especially, especially a small town. And, uh, I was in an area that was legal going along the Sulphur River, looking for a way to cross it at a point. I couldn't see it because it was, uh, a private property along and those people will shoot your butt off to get on their property. Oh yeah. So I, <laughs> I, I turned around an old white car I bought for $500 from a guy that, that was new in town. And uh, I drove out of that and I uh, went to, like it was a day later, or two later there, there was a little grocery store in the, in the residential area. And I, uh, uh, the old lady that run that store was my landlord. I was written a little cottage place off over a couple of blocks, a few blocks away. And I stopped in the store and she's in the back 
and uh, going to the bathroom. And I, this stocky little kid, about 14 years old, just eyeballing me, making me nervous because he's just staring, wasn't saying anything. And I'm waiting for uh, the lady, Zuwila was her name. So come out so I could buy something, I was going to go back home. And he's staring, and finally, I, I just looked at him and started staring back at him. He says, "He says, do you, uh, says, you got an old white car?" He says, "Yeah." He says, "You were were you driving down the Sulphur River bottoms the other day?" I said, "Yeah." He says, "Boy, you're lucky. Lucky why?" He says, uh, "Miss Mrs. So and So called." Mr. So-and-so, and they got a posse. She told him that looks like somebody down here in an old white, white car looking for something to steal. So they got a posse looking for you. Yeah, I had a posse looking for me. I didn't even do anything wrong or illegal. They didn't even got out of my car. <laughs> so it made me a little nervous. I didn't know if they, because South wasn't very far from there. I thought, God, the posse might be coming. There's only one cop in the town. And I thought maybe the posse might fucking come and find my white car and fucking string me up, right? <laughs> uh, but they didn't. It wasn't happening. And then about a week later, I wasn't, yeah, it wasn't more than a week. I dropped in the store before I went home. And uh, Zoila was there, standing there behind the counter. And she said, they're looking for you. I said, who, the posse? He says, no, the FBI and the Sheriff's Department. They think you robbed a bank. So there's over 26 cars out in front of your place with bullhorns and shotguns yelling for you to come out with your hands up. <laughs> I I hid out in the woods for three days to look out the bank robbers. You there? Yeah, no, I keep hearing uh, dialing in the background, and it keeps cutting out. I I must be hitting hitting that with my ear or something. Anyway, I I'm gonna let you go on that all freaking talk all night. Oh no, you you've been great. I absolutely love it. And uh, you know, it's, I'm gonna shoot you a message after we get off, and uh, hopefully we can set up another date really soon, and then we can uh, get into it even more. Because like I said, I've absolutely loved this, and I uh, appreciate you making the time to come on, and uh, can't wait for next time, man. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Uh, Maybe next time it'd be a little more organized or disciplined and make some sense and uh, not jump all over the place. I got so much to say about so many things. It starts, my God, I'm going to start thinking I'm crazy myself. I do that to Wait, myself sometimes too when you get really deep into stuff and then you hear yourself <laughs> on the outside and you're like, wow, I probably sound crazy to people, but it makes sense to me though. <laughs> but I understand yeah. it. I, I get there too. Yeah. So you don't sound crazy to me. I, I love hearing all this stuff. Hey, hey we're having fun. And that's what keeps me going anyway. It's, yeah, yeah. I, I'm serious about this stuff. I, I, I would not embellish anything like this because my whole life I've been serious about wanting to research and investigate. I want truth. And you don't get that uh, by embellishing or making something up. I don't do that. But, I, uh, you know, I, but it is what it is. But, I, but, I, but you have fun. I have fun with it. I entertain. I don't get upset. And uh, I like to said of a whole crowd that started, you know, just poking me a little bit, uh, whatever. And have. I 
that's fine with me. I can start laughing and joke right along with him and laugh at myself. I don't have a problem. It's okay. As long as we're having fun. So you got to have fun with it and have a sense of humor. Otherwise, you might go nuts. <laughs> exactly. No, it's all good. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, it was great talking to you. Absolutely. And, uh, I got some weird stuff I, I don't talk about much at all. Uh, but I, I would love to get into it because it's different and it's it's all real. But I, uh, boy, I'd like to, I'd like, I hope you got a good audience for the I'd like to get some feedback on some stuff. Uh, there's some stuff I have never heard of that I've been through that I don't, I've never heard of anybody experiencing. And I'd like to, I just, for the fun of it, I think that would be okay. I love digging into stuff like that. So I would absolutely love to do that next time. So we're just teasing the uh, audience at this point so that they know that we're going to dig into some even weirder stuff next time. Yes. Okay. Well, keep me posted and uh, keep in touch. And it was great talking to you. I had fun. Absolutely. Can't wait for next time. All right. Me too. (laughs) If you guys enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a review or rating for the show on iTunes or Spotify. And of course, if you guys leave a five-star review on iTunes, I will read it on the show, give you guys a big shout out. Always, like I say, give appreciation where appreciations do. And if you guys want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, be it you're an artist and you want to contribute some designs to the show, or you you have some type of... uh, fringe, cryptid, whatever related merchandise uh, that you'd like to coordinate something. Maybe you can advertise on the show. Or even if you're another podcast and you guys want to swap intros and help promote each other, I'd be more than happy to do some stuff like that. So shoot me a message. Let me know. Um, Literally anything that you guys think you can contribute to the show, I'd love to hear. Even if it's uh, encounter stories, um, ideas for different things that you guys want to see on the show. Uh, specifically encounter stories. I'd like to coordinate that more into the show, uh, be it if it's you know snippets of episodes or uh, the book that I'm working on that we mentioned in Bizarre Encounters. Uh, that's going to be a bunch of encounter-related things with my research and what I feel that the encounter may have been with and different details with that. Um, got a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipeline, so make sure you guys are uh, paying attention to anything new that's going to be happening as far as Open Minds Media slash Increase of Our Reality slash Bizarre Encounters goes. So, And if you guys want to get a hold of me, you guys can always email me at Increase of Our Reality Podcast, or you can go to the Linktree filtered submission form, and that will go directly to my email. And uh, make sure you guys check your spam and junk folders. Make sure nothing gets missed because a lot of my responses do go there. Or quick and easy, you guys can always shoot me a message on Instagram. And if you're trying to share an encounter, you guys could always send me a recording over Instagram, or you can type it out. Whatever's easier for you, I can coordinate. I can make it work. So I'd love to hear those encounters. So don't forget to send them over to me. And uh, everything that I mentioned is all available under the link tree, which is L-A-N-K-T-R period E slash Increase Our Reality Podcast. Or you guys can make it easy for yourselves. Go down to the show description, click the link, follow the trail to whatever you might be looking for. And with that, hope you guys enjoyed the show and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.